Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm magician Nelson Lugo. Hi, I'm nerdcore rapper Shafer the Dark Lord. We're best friends who hate each other's guts. And we co-host the Epic Podcast. A monthly show in which we discuss comic books, video games, television, movies, our debilitating emotional problems, and Batman. So much Batman. That's the Epic Podcast on the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Be safe, internets. Bye. Seriously, so much Batman. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? This is Pat DeVere here with another episode of Flame On in Space. Okay, not in space. Are are we pigs in in space? (laughs) No, bears in space. Bears in space. It's a popular event at Akbar in Los Angeles. (laughs) It is. There's a bar called... There's a bar, and that's an event. And they do it every, I think it's every Sunday. Oh, wow. Or it's every other, or once a month. I don't know. It's something like that. But it's at Akbar in, in LA, right down the street from uh, the LA Eagle, which the only time I went to was like in the middle of the day on Sunday. I skipped the last day of DragCon to go there instead. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had had enough of drag queens. <laughs> I needed no leather because, I mean, it's the middle of the day on Sunday. Who's coming oh. out in full leather? Drag Race, like, Season 12 and All-Stars 5 is coming up soon, so you can't be sick of Drag Queens. Oh, God, I can totally be sick of Drag Queens. Plus, Drag Race UK is coming. I know, so much. And I'm going to DragCon in a couple of weeks, representing Flame On, so there'll be a lot of great stuff coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I was enjoying my downtime of no Drag Race. (laughs) Got to gear up for the rest of the year. Woo! And there's a possible... I think let's talk about a possible Halloween special this year. Yes. So, which I'm actually, I'd be really excited I'm about. I'm on board for that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it'll probably be just, you know, like RuPaul did for the Christmas one, where there's no actual winner, 
But if Sharon Needles doesn't come back for that, then I there's think, just tomfoolery and abounding. I think they're, they're, they announced the queens for a Dragula season. Yeah, three. that came out a couple of weeks ago. That was a couple of weeks ago. And then they I just would, announced the Drag Race UK cast. For Halloween, I'd almost rather uh, it just be the Dragula Halloween special presented by RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, that will never happen. Oh, that would require people to get along and work together. <laughs> Sharing money. It's a beautiful <laughs> world, though. No, it's not. Things like that don't happen in this world. But anyway, you've heard voices of the cast that are here with me. But let us go around and introduce them. We have got Eric. Howdy. We've got BJ. Hey. We've got Josh. Hello. We've got Brian. Hi. And we've got me. So, see, I was throwing y'all off. I was making y'all think about when you had to say hello. That was very smart because I was trying to think of something inappropriate to say, and you you beat me. I know. You you tricked me. (laughs) (laughs) So, it is our monthly roundup of pop culture things that are making our Peter Tingle tingle. Why? It's too soon. <laughs> I know it it's is. It's too soon, and I just want to call it crawling to a ball. And you know what? We were gonna we were gonna save this towards the end, but let's just dump drive. Let's just jump right into it. Mother we're talking about people not wanting to share money before we dive into any topics that are actually making us excited. Let's talk about news that has devastated motherfucking the Sony fandom. Well, it's not Sony it's exactly. It's everyone. Oh, it's Sony. Well, it's Sony being greedy and Marvel saying, fuck you, we don't need you. Honestly, well, Sony walked away from the... I thought Marvel walked no, away. Well, no, Sony walked Sony away. Because, yeah. because Sony... they think they can just have all the money now. Well, so I was reading an update, and um, basically Sony was wanting to continue the partnership, but they wanted Kevin Feige to continue to be the main producer on the whole project. But with all of the other Marvel acquisitions and Fox, and you know he's not going to do it. And That's... and it, well, from what I was reading, and I didn't finish the article, but it looked like that was what Sony wanted. But in order for them, for Disney to comply with that, they wanted to charge more money. Well, they they had come to the table and wanted a fifty fifty split. Before it used to be that Sony was... put up all the money for it. Yeah, and Disney then Disney got five like percent of the first run. Gross. Yeah, it, it was, was basically ninety five five. But they, uh, but Sony put up the money. Disney wants to go halvesies, but they want half the money, and Sony walked away from that. And Disney pulled Kevin Feige away from um, any of those talks. So I don't know if that was them just trying to be like, well, screw you, you know, we're not going to have any involvement at that point, but. Uh, as of right now, and things can change, you never know, but uh, Tom Holland, and we're not even sure if Tom Holland would, would continue on as Spider-Man, because uh, you don't know who he's contracted to. And he's right? con- he's contracted to Sony. Okay. He's contracted so... to Sony, and he's scheduled, he's on his contract, I guess his Marvel contract through Sony is uh, two more movies. Okay. And so Sony is planning on making two more Spider-Man movies, but we don't know if they're still planning on making those movies now that this isn't happening because the first two movies were pretty MCU heavy. Like, well, yeah. And yeah. all those characters are now gone from from the... It, it was weird because Spider-Man movies had no Sony like world building or world involvement. You had yeah. no Venom. You had none of the other characters that they want to make all of these movies about and it was all mcu centered and now you're gonna have to like completely flip that and be like all right well now we got none of these characters that you've grown to love in the spider-man movies i mean aside from 
your you know your uh Tom, I was gonna say Aunt May, like the the yeah, main yeah, cast. Yeah, the actually the cast itself, the ones that are an MCU uh, cast members. Yeah, but you don't get Happy anymore. You no know, Happy, no Nick which, Fury, which means uh, any whatever that summer fling was, that's definitely gonna. Uh, I was. Go, can you even can you even mention any of like if he the movie can't even if they make a Spider Man movie now they can't even mention or talk about MCU stuff. <laughs> Aunt May, what happened to your boyfriend? Well. He's now sad. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he probably can't use the glasses. Edith, nope. no, no, no nope. stuff is gone. You see the <laughs> meme where it was like Mysterio outed Spider-Man so hard he had to leave the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got a, I got quite a few of those. Oh, uh, those memes are memes. phenomenal. They're absolutely fantastic. I'll read a couple. Why did, not? Did anybody see Sony's tweet? No. Yeah. Oh, well, the the three-part tweet. <laughs> yeah, the three-part yeah. tweet. So. Sony uh, is trying to steer the whole story kind of like damage control. Come on, spin. It's like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's all spin. It's Disney's decision. We totally respect it, you know. So uh, Sony goes, we hope this might change. Oh, wait, no, that's that's the second part. <laughs> Much of today's news about Spider-Man has mischaracterized recent discussions about Kevin Feige's involvement in the franchise. We are disappointed, but respect Disney's decision not to have him continue as a lead producer on our next live-action film. We hope this might change in the future and understand that with many new responsibilities Disney has given him, including all the new Marvel properties, uh, will not allow him to work uh, on it as they they do not own. Kevin is terrific, and we are grateful for his help and guidance and appreciate the path that he has helped put us on, which we will continue. So they're saying that Disney and, and Kevin Feige guided them on to how to produce a good Spider-Man Yeah, movie. but we've still seen what Sony has done with Spider-Man movies. Oh, for sure. And with Venom. The only good thing Sony's done is Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. And that wasn't even a... That was a critical success. It was not a box office success. That no. only made $3 million. I say only, but you know what I mean. Like, compared to... The, $300 million? Uh, Well, didn't it get uh, an Oscar no. for animated? No, I think it was only $3 million. Yeah, it won an Oscar for be- uh, Best Animated Feature. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, critically, it's it's beloved, but it didn't do amazing for them box office-wise. I mean, uh, the two Marvel-led Spider-Man movies are number one and number three of the top Spider-Man movies out of Sony. Yeah. The only other one that's uh, above it is... Spider-Man 2? Spider-Man 3. What? Yeah, Spider Man Three is is the highest out of the original three. So because two was so good. Yes, Spider Verse made three hundred and seventy five million. Three seventy five. Okay, so three seventy five. Oh, okay. It was eight hundred million. Yeah, but it was so all the other ones are in the seven and eight hundred million. Yeah, and uh, into the Spider Verse was three hundred million. So it's you know. Money wise, it's it wasn't amazing, no, no, but it, wasn't. it was a fantastic movie. It was. I think it's gotten more legs in um, home release. Probably, from Red, I'm sure. So many people just didn't. I like. I mean, I didn't watch it at the theater because I just overlooked it. Yeah, I saw it at the Dollar Theater. Oh, there you go. I think you put you put a lot of money into their pocket well, for that. Good job. <laughs> I, just, I, I think I saw it at the Dollar Theater. I bought I a remember. physical copy of it. So. Oh, I, I bought it. I bought as it. As did well. I? So me let too. me ask this: because Feige's not there. Does that mean they cannot, we're sure, we're not just speculating, cannot use MCU in the Sony movies? I believe this was where they were renegotiating that contract. And okay. if they did yeah. not renegotiate that contract. So Marvel, then... Disney walking is, we're taking all our toys, 
you're back to just for you because we're what five years into this yeah this deal so i think that was the end of that contract it's it's interesting based on the way sony's tweets are phrased though right they're they're trying to there's potentially going to be continued negotiations you could they would definitely try if popular opinion is that bad but yeah you could actually do another spider-man without mcu altogether well true but you have to be careful about the characters you introduce in that movie and how you do the mythos to yeah create the extended spider verse over there right because if disney comes back into the picture they only have the rights they would only be i guess given the rights to the characters they were using previously yeah or only want to use those characters they were using well at that point you could potentially renegotiate how that contract states and if that's the direction that they're going and they're introducing more of these characters in a third spider-man movie and then let's say Disney comes back for the fourth one, it could be a matter of, okay, well, now it's you get whatever characters are involved in this, and then we have these other things separate. Yeah, it was. Um, I do know that uh, they were, were part of the negotiation was they were actually negotiating with Sony to get more Spider Man characters for their use. I guess, uh, like merchandising and all that stuff. They were trying to get more characters. So I, I, I get the feeling they were trying to siphon off. A couple more villains before they toss them in their own villain movie because I know they're planning on doing a Morbius and a Venom two. Actually, I think I heard Mo- Morbius got um, pushed back or canceled. Did I get pushed back? See, so well, I'm... it hasn't. Yet. It hasn't been canceled. It might have been pushed back. But okay. you have um, Craven. Was it Jared Leto? Is Morbius? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's when I was the the articles I was reading the deadline stuff and all that from uh, the initial release was all talking about these movies still being in their slate so so I, kn- I know tom holland's contract movie contract is two more movies it was two more movies and then with the mcu contract he had one more like uh group movie mm. uh either an avengers or like a like another civil war type type deal yeah um uh but i i didn't realize see i didn't realize that the marvel contract was based on years and not movies his contract with sony is based on movies his con- the contract with the mc with uh disney was based on years, and it was just a five to six. I think it was a five to six year contract, and I guess they were just in the middle of basic what was supposed to be basic rene- renegotiation. So, but yeah, from the tweet, I'm I'm hoping that they're like, you know what, we made a lot of money, so we might want to. <laughs> well, I mean, if they do continue to do the other two movies on their own, by the time they do the third one and it gets released. Only results will tell if they come crawling back and say, "We'll do whatever you want. Just make Spider-Man successful again." Oh, but you never know. I mean, they made a lot of Spider-Man movies that weren't the best before that happened. So, well, yeah, and and I think in the beginning it, we didn't have anything. Well, with Tobey Maguire, we didn't have anything to compare it to. Yeah, you know. So at the time, it was good. In my opinion, I think Spider-Man Two of that particular franchise was definitely the best one. Absolutely. Yeah, the fir- the first two Spider-Man movies are pretty good. Yeah. I never saw the third one because everyone says it's trash. <laughs> yeah. It's not trash, it's just awkward. Yeah. And then the second uh franchise with Andrew Garfield, I personally liked it. I mean, the design on on uh the reptile was a little, meh, you know, but a lot of their villain designs were a little eh. Yeah. Yeah, I liked the first Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. The but then they try to jam everybody in every plot they could into the second yeah. one. Which I mean, is the same tr- thing that Sony did with Spider-Man 3. Yeah. I mean, too much going on at once. And it's what Warner Brothers does with a lot of the DC movies yep. so far. So, 
Marvel's figured out a, a way that works and we've all grown accustomed to and when other theater or other studios try to do their own thing, it doesn't always gel with what we've come to expect. So Justice League, for example. Oh Lord. Uh, <laughs> Batman v Superman. Uh, Suicide Squad. No. Uh, uh, I had such high hopes for that one. I'm I'm excited for the next Suicide Squad movie though. Well, James Gunn is at the helm, so we'll see how it's that... gonna have Polka Dot Man in it, and it's being played by the guy that was um, Luis in um, Ant Man. Oh, I'm down. Oh, uh, Michael Pena. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm and uh, yeah, it's James Gunn. So I'm I'm pretty sure it's it's pretty much the loser villains plus like Harley Quinn and uh, Deadshot. Well, I mean we we've, we've seen that they have course corrected to stop trying to be dour and very sepia tone so and dark. yeah but anywho let's, let's stop talking about things that make us sad like the sony marvel kerfluffle martha. and let's get into stop saying martha nobody's mom's name is martha how do you know that name oh jesus it's america's ass <laughs> anywho let's get into the topics that are tantalizing our pop culture taste buds this month let us start with no whammies, no whammies, no whammies, big money. Stop. Oh. Brian, why don't you start us off with our first topic of this episode? I think we should just dive into the X Men. What do you think? Oh yes. Oh, House of X and Powers of Ten. It's so good. Pour it all over my body. It's so, the best X Men thing. If ever. you're a longtime listener of Flame On, you probably know. The name Jonathan Hickman, because we've talked about him quite a lot back when we covered comics all the time, every time, years ago. Who? Years and years ago, before Who? most people here were on the show. But, point is, comics uh, legend Jonathan Hickman has not been writing for mainstream comics in quite a while. I don't know. Since he did the uh, Infinity and, uh, oh, Bat- Secret War. Secret War. Yeah. Secret and Wars. He left to do indie comics. TV tele teleprep plays, all this other stuff. Uh, X Men, Powers of X, how, sorry, Powers of Ten, House of X, uh, are two interjoined series, mini series that relaunch both Hickman and the X Men continuity in a very bold, as I like to say, new direction. And I don't know that we can really do it justice by trying to recap it, so I don't want to recap it. Well, I mean, we can talk about it. It's hard to recap something that we're in the middle of. And as a spoiler alert, or not even a spoiler alert, just a heads up that this episode will drop after one more issue has come out, House of X4, because of when we're recording. We're recording on a Wednesday night, and House of, or Powers of, uh, Powers of 10 3 just released today. So two days before this episode comes out, House of X number four will come out. So there'll be more things that have been released to the public. But um, there's a lot of juicy things to dive into without like doing a panel by panel. Yeah, that's the thing. So let's do like high level and then we can talk about what we think. Because I think, is everybody reading it? Eric, you're not reading it probably, right? What are comics? Okay, that's what I thought. Josh, are you reading? Not currently. Okay. So it's it's, uh, Pat, Josh, or Pat, BJ, and myself. Uh Uh-huh. So... X-Men, it's got already a complicated continuity, but um, the Hickman uh, X-Men has decided, John, Jonathan's decided to increase that complexity by at least a, a couple powers of 10. 
I feel like they they actually simplified it. I think he's unifying it in a way yeah. that's interesting, but I don't think he's simplifying it at all. Um, he's telling at least three concurrent stories now. Four, I guess. Yeah, four. Um, he's got current day, which is the so-called powers of uh, X to the power of one. Zero, I thought. No, zero is when no, Moira zero, meets... Zero, one, ten, and a hundred. Right, so zero is when Moira meets Charles. Oh, okay. That is the... Or, that is the beginning of the current timeline. Yeah. Yes. And X1 is the current timeline. Which is House of X, if you, yes. you know. Uh, it's basically the premise is X-Men have banded together all mutants uh, through this uh, Krakoa ecosystem. Everyone stowed their shit. Um, basically. And they've kind of set, up, set themselves up as pseudo-gods over all of humanity, but in a benevolent way so far, offering gifts to them. What is it? They live... They can live five more years. There are three flowers that Krakoa produces that are beneficial to humans. One increases the human lifespan by five years. One cures ailments of the body. And one cures ailments of the mind. And so if you basically accept that this new X nation exists, hey, you get, you get the stuff. You get the cool things. But the mutants still pretty much are setting themselves up in a protective ecosystem their own land that exists through Krakoa. that's the house of x that's like the the uh the the framework the the bed of the new x stories we think we don't know yet but it looks like that's probably what's happening now there's also 10 year 100 years in the future so that's x to the power of two so or t- 10 to the ten. power of two sorry um here x equals 10 uh, which is 100 years in the future, and there's X 10 to the power of 3, which is 1,000 years in the future. X0, X1, X10, X100. No. Yeah, there it's... Right, X X to the 0 is 1. Ten. Yeah, you have 0, 1. Hold on, BJ, where's powers of X? It's Present 0, power. 1, 10. No, it's 0, 1, 100, because 1 is 10. So 0 would X, be 1. X to the ten, 0 is your 1. Yeah. 100 and 1,000. Yeah, but they don't do one, two, three. They do in tens, ten and a hundred, I think. Zero, and one, two, three corresponds to one, ten, one hundred, and a thousand. X one, the X Men year ten. No. <laughs> what? I'm like they're in the book. That's why he's going oh, through. Oh right, right, right. X yeah. one is ten. There Sorry. we go. What was yeah. I saying? What was I saying? Well, no, you said well X X. X1, X2, X3. Oh, X to the 1. So, yeah. Ten. yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But, yeah, no. They, the way they're right. listed You're there, right. it's 0, 1, t- 10, and 100, I think, right? Well, and then it's it's X it's X squared. Oh, it is X squared and X, the, X the cubed? The X-Men year 100. And then X cubed is? X thousand. Okay. Okay, sorry, sorry. All right. Too many. This, this is the thing that Hickman's doing, and I love it because <laughs> I'm a math person, but this it's, it's hard to say X and not 10 or 10 and not X. Anyway, so near future or current day. Like, not so far in the future, and then, like, distant future. And, like, they're interwoven in such a way that you're kind of seeing, like, the ramifications of what they're doing now. You think they're interwoven. Well, and this is the thing that today's issue, or as we record this, Powers of X3, Powers of 10, see, I did it again, uh, (laughs) 3, issue number 3. Just call them Powers in House. That'll make it easier. Powerhouse. So, it recontextualizes the entire... Powers of 10 to the 2, yeah. 100 years in the future. <laughs> that whole storyline is recontextualized based on a conceit that they introduced in, I think, Power is what? House issue? number 2. House 2. House 2. Yeah. So, 
And this is the thing we should talk about probably the most because this is a fascinating idea. Moira McTaggart, who if you're an X-Men fan, you know Moira, she's been around forever. She's like X-Men's non-mutant gadfly, like always popping up, doing shit, had a very powerful mutant son, uh, has been in love with Charles and probably in love with uh, uh, with Magneto. I mean, she's gotten all over the place. She's, you know, gets around. Well, so now Hickman is basically making her a mutant. And that mutant power she has is the ability to reincarnate. But not reincarnate into a new body or a new life, but to actually go back to her baby or infant form or her, you know, when she's born. From her conception. Her she conception, goes back into, yep. the, into as her fetus and has. And has all of the memories of her past lives. So imagine if you died today knowing what you know, and then you were reconceived, oh, reborn God. back when you were originally, so uh, whatever that was, with all consciousness and memories of your life. Oh, Lord. That sounds like Digimon in a way. Okay, so... How long would it take you to go freaking crazy? Well, she hasn't done it yet as far as we can tell. Well... Because does that mean you can instantly talk as a baby? Kind of. It it goes into that. It actually talks about the fact that it it could drive you insane. And, like, if you can't... If your physical body isn't able to move the way your mind says you should be able to, including verbalize yourself, and you're just stuck in your head, and all you can do is cry and well, poop. Oh, yeah. We've we've always been told that Moira was a genius, and this goes back and kind of takes a different spin on this. That her first life was uneventful. She was born, she lived her life, she went to college, still met Xavier, like or you know there was still a, a cross connection there, but nothing, and she met a man. Had two kids, died. No big deal. And then she came, you know, she's back in the womb at the same exact point and goes through and starts to do these things differently. Because this is yep. super villain type stuff. This would drive you batty. Well, so far, it's been interesting because, like, and they actually chart out all of her lives. And she does not have infinite lives. There's a moment in, what is it, her third or second? She basically starts in to go down a path. Third. She goes down a path where she's like, I, I got to stop mutants from ever happening. This is obviously yeah. a curse, not a benefit. Um, I'm going to make a vaccine, you know, which obviously she makes the mutant cure. Right. Yep. So Destiny, who if you're not a longtime X-Men fan, you may not have no idea who Destiny is, which is why when she shows up, I lit up because I'm I like lesbian. Loved the, 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 the back and forth with her because Destiny being like, what's wrong with you? Something's weird. Well, so Destiny, if again, going way back, is this mutant who pretty much had a, a, a love affair relationship with uh, Mystique. It's a lesbian lover. And well, her mutant power is to see the future. She really isn't like otherwise powerful, but she can see the future. And so she kind of got associated with villains, but throughout continuity, she's kind of come and gone and done this and that. Long story short, she sees what Moira is doing. She realizes you're actually something really weird because you're fucking with the future continually as you're reborn, rewriting whole courses of history by just being reborn with these memories. And she was hidden from Destiny at first. Right. Until yep. Destiny figured out what was going on, and now the two are entwined. So Moira, it, Destiny basically puts down the, the gauntlet of, you don't have infinite lives. If you get killed before you are, you hit puberty at your 13th birthday then you die 
Your oh, mutant power doesn't what kick her in. Her powers, power and she yeah. always she always gets like a head cold or something. Or she gets this like bizarre fever. Uh huh. This like hundred and five degree fever, and then the next day is fine. And that's when her mutant power um, comes to be comes to be in her life. But then she also makes a point of saying, "You have uh, what did she say? Ten, maybe eleven lives. If you make, if you the, make right the right choice, choice. The yeah. yeah. So during that issue, you get taken through eight yes i think it's eight eight of her uh no nine of her lives right you get taken through bits and pieces of nine of her lives and you are treated to a lovely chart that shows you all of these lives all of her deviations yeah and it goes through but it doesn't tell you anything about a certain lifeline yeah so that's where this new issue comes into play which has been a fan theory for a little while which I just started have started reading about, and I'm surprised that they addressed this so quickly, um, and that it, it, it there is a lot of stuff going on, and I feel like they have to kind of make these things happen and then kind of move on to the next thing. Otherwise, it's just not going to play out the way that they want it. So to. one thing that's bothering me about this theory, and I'll just delve into this real quick: Magneto is in one of the cutscenes, if you will, of this era. Yes. There's a Magneto shot. When you look at the chart in this most recent issue of the people there, he is not mentioned whatsoever. Yes, he is. I didn't see his name. Yep, he's one of the horsemen. He's um, He I is an Emma Frost him. and Polaris Chimera. I see D- Dane? Is that? Lorna Dane. Oh. Oh, so that's not Magneto. It's, um, it's... Yeah, he's a Chimera. The only pure blood, oh, okay. the, the two pure bloods are Zorn, which is very weird. Hickman loves Zorn, though. I yeah. know, but it doesn't look like Zorn. It, right, exactly. That's the yeah. that's the weird thing. But it's actually Wolverine. That yeah. is our Wolverine. James Howlett, yeah. Um, it's Apocalypse. That's yep. our Apocalypse. Yep. That's our Wolverine, and apparently our our Zorn. Huh. Because they're pure blood mutants. Um, Pestilence. I don't know why he's referring. I guess North. Uh, but he's a Lorna Dane Emma Frost hybrid. He's a okay. Chimera. Okay. And then Krakoa took over the body of Cypher. Which makes sense when you see how Cypher is working on the Krakoa system. So, okay, that's good then. So that simplifies it because I'm sitting there thinking, have they been jumping between these timelines? No. And that, and that was the thing that we didn't know yeah. because they introduced the t- the Chimeras and the the pens and all this about life. Or they, they brought this up in there. They, they give you all this information. But don't always place it where it should be. Yeah. And then you start to learn more about it. They had Rasputin, who is a third generation Chimera. She's on the page after the Horseman page. And she's a combination of um, Rasputin DNA, Choir DNA. Um, and I think two more. There's two more because she's a four uh, person splice. She's got uh, uh, Pride, Kitty Pride, Kenny. I don't know who Kenny is. Bane. I don't know which Bane they're talking about either. But yeah, I'll break third you. generation. Oh. Yeah, she's third. Because then the fourth ones were the ones that went went to shit. Oh, Kinney, Laura, uh, Laura Kinney. That's X twenty three. Oh, X twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Quentin yeah. Choir. Yeah, one of the Rasputins, either Ileana. Well, or... she's got the Soul Sword, so maybe. Maybe, but she's also kind of got that metal, right? Well, yeah. So I Just mean, a little bit it of both. Yeah, could be both. Yeah, I don't know who Bane is. Um, and then you've got Cardinal, who is the Kurt Wagner. I Rachel or Jean Grey. I don't, and I don't know who Freeman is. Oh um, God, yeah. So this is the thing I love. Hickman is a long, like a lifelong X Men fan. 
a lot of the Marvel stuff he's done, he's known about or like he's had to kind of get to learn about. And he's done amazing stuff, but he is an X-Men like nut. And so he said very publicly, like, this is his X-Men opus. He's been boiling or thinking nice. about this, this, this idea for, for, for like decades. So like he is telling a huge, huge story with science fiction elements, all of this X-Men lore, very interesting status quo change to the characters. I, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's well, really impressive. And my and my favorite thing is that they he actually touches on something that's been mentioned in just just about every iteration of Marvel, either X Men or Avengers or anything like that. Um, the equation that Vision mentioned in the uh, in Marvel Civil War, like their very existence invites calamity. Of of AI. Yeah. So but. that well that yeah well, well that that sort of thing. Well, the whole thing with the machines. Where that every iteration of of Moira's, uh, where Moira was actively trying to somehow save mutants, every single time the machines show up. Yeah, Sentinels, Master Which she took out the entire bloodline. Yep, and it still didn't the, matter. Somebody trask, else yeah. came and made the Sentinels. They they are an evolutionary result of mutants flourishing. They will be created, and they will always pop up. And I I just find that super interesting because that's that's something we've even talked about in like actual society. Like the more we evolve, the more we have technology evolve with us. So eventually what's going to happen? So there is a far future story. And this is what's really. Well, before we get to that one, we pretty much with powers of 10, three end one of these storylines. We think for as of right now, because the one light that we did not get, we were not privy to. Which is, I'm sure, where all of the fan theories sprung from. Because if you're not giving us information, we're going to assume uh, the hundred years in the future storyline with uh, with Apocalypse as the leader of the X Men and the Four Horsemen being the Wolverine, the Magneto hybrid, the Krakoa, and uh, Zorn with uh, Cipher, uh, not Cipher, with um, Rasputin and uh, Cardinal, and the other two that were killed in the first issue. That is Moira's ninth life, where she awoke apocalypse and went down this uh this path and the apocalypse war started and we had gotten all we had gotten information about this life before but we weren't told where it sat in the timeline yeah so that's where the fan theories were like okay ninth life and at the end of uh powers of 10 3 they find out when nimrod was uh constructed and they big surprise Moira's in a stasis chamber in an apocalypse outfit, which she looked pretty cool in, actually. Yeah, actually, yeah. I wouldn't mind Moira in an apocalypse It's a great outfit. outfit. It's a great design. It's like very bright of Frankenstein for apocalypse. But what I love is this far future story, which they've given the least amount of information. It's very lightly touched on. I think and that's going to be where we focus on for the second half of Powers of Ten, to be honest. But I'm interested to see how it, like, is it a logical conclusion, no matter which path you take, that humanity is largely relegated to this, like, this playpen, this, like, museum preserve if you will and now we have basically machine mutant uh hybrids the, like bonded the, the failings right well and that's this is where it gets to the really far sci-fi yeah. where they basically make a world mind level consciousness where they have a planet like that is entirely like a comprised of all these intellects they send like this thing out into the universe and they catch basically the attention of the phalanx and not like the phalanx that we've seen which is like localized sort of a viral intelligence but like 
the actual like mother father universal phalanx but which i is think a, it's i think it's actually i think it's related oh it's related oh, yeah. this yeah, yeah, is yeah. the actual it's like, like those were pieces of right. what this eventual progression right. was these the, the phalanx that we know the phalanx covenant and all that those storylines were like the baby seeds of yeah what this whole thing will eventually turn into. And it seems like what they're going for in that, by doing this all, is ascendancy, they call it, which is the humanity merging with this galactic intelligence and becoming part of it. And that's like some really heady sci-fi crap. Like, that's some... And this is why I love Hickman, is he's not afraid to do big sci-fi concepts, but he still makes characters. I mean, I really fell in love with the uh, powers of uh, 10 to the 2, the hundred year later story characters. I thought they were really interesting. That whole world was kind of fascinating. I actually really thought apocalypse as a, as a hero is an interesting thing, which evidently we're still going to get which some we'll of that. Get, yeah. But, but like, I, I really cared about this caliber. I, uh, makes me so mad. Yeah, that's, that's old. <laughs> but Brian Braddock is in Excalibur. Yeah. He's the schoolmaster. Well, like. I don't know about that, but they showed interior artwork and he basically gives the amulet to Psylocke, or not Psylocke, to Betsy. Right. And he hands over the title of Captain Britain to her. Because I was going to be mad if Brian Braddock wasn't, at least in some way, shape, or form, <laughs> known as Captain Britain. Yeah, so Anywho. so we'll talk about that in a second. There's like a springboard of all of this into the new continuity and into the new books. Well, and as you're saying about like the phalanx and all these, the world mind, there is a whole breakdown, again, in Powers of Ten, where this intelligence is where... Uh, you have your one singular mind, and then you have uh, the ten, uh, the ten mind, and then you have the hundred to ten thousand. Like, and the, again, it's all in this powers of ten breakdown to show you how it eventually all becomes a greater mass mind. But he's taking these concepts that have been in the X Men continuity and like tying them all together in a beautiful way the closest i can come and i'm thinking a lot about this lately is it's kind of like moffat and doctor who weaving together all of these pieces into this big doctor who continuity that like connected the current continuity the old continuity in a really satisfying way for a lot of people and i feel like hickman is like so steeped in this lore like like moffat was that he's able to play all of this together in this giant tapestry what i really want to see is how he's going to weave cable and the Ascani Sun stuff into this, because I would be shocked if he doesn't in some way, shape, or form at least address it somehow. Well, yeah, because, I mean, with Moira changing things, and, I mean, technically, we're in, it, it's so weird on how everything is put together. There is so much history that they're saying doesn't change. Right, right. But it's how does it not change? Yeah. And especially if that is Xavier under the mask, under the Cerebro helmet. Right, if, yeah. He's walking, and, I mean, like, it, it just it's, it looks like he's just constantly floating. Well, that too. He's kind of like an evolved, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that was even laid down in the uh, astonishing series. A little I bit. know, but it, it, whether a or not bit. they choose to use the fact that Phantom X gave up his body so right. Xavier could come back, uh, it, 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 there's so much that it, it's going to be amazing to see how it all comes together, and then and. With Dawn of X, we'll see how how the new status quo stands. It's Cassandra. Oh, oh God. No, Cassandra. So, <laughs> this all is going to wrap up in like another month or two, I think, because it's six issues of each. Oh, and it's another month and a half. Oh, so yes. it's, oh it's, no, weekly. it's weekly. It's weekly. That's right. So, then we're going to have uh, a new X-Men book, Hickman's writing. It looks like it's all <laughs> Scott, Scott <laughs> Summers and family. It's, it's the Summers family it's, which and Wolverine. I'm, which I'm excited about while well, he's practical. Yeah. It's, Let's be, it's the it's, Summers family. It's Corsair. It's uh, Vulcan. 
Wait, Vulcan. Yeah. It's Cyclops. It's Havoc. I'm trying to go through the generations. It's Gene. Cable. It's Kid Cable and Rachel. Which, by the way, they should have just fucking undone the Kid Cable thing. And Wolverine. I don't know yeah. why they keep doing this stupid Kid Cable thing. It's Wolverine awful. is Cable's new is Cable's stepdad. So <laughs> who knows? I'm pretty sure he and Cyclops are just an item. I'm gonna say it's a polyamorous I've relationship. I was that. gonna say it's just I've a polyamorous I've seen that pick that graph that uh that comic online. They're 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 pansexual relationship. So I'm on board. We're also getting a new I'm ex- fine with it actually. A new Excalibur a book by uh Teeny Teeny Howard. Which I love. We all love Excalibur, but obviously, as we talked about, this is going to be a, a fairly different iteration. It's not. No, I love Excalibur, right? And I'm sad. Yeah, it's it's not your classic people, but I'm, you get Rogue and Gambit on the team. That's that they're married now, so kind of works. You get Betsy Braddock as the new Captain Britain, as Captain Britain. Um, I have to remember not to call her Psylocke. Um, you get Apocalypse. Yeah, that's going to be cool. And I forget who else is on the team. <clears throat> Uh, then you have Fallen Angels, which is oh, yeah. a retread, but a completely different take on the title. So it's a it's a former mutant title with a whole different twist on it, where we have, I believe it's Kid Cable, X-23, and Psylocke is Fallen Angels. Jubilee was on Excalibur as well. Oh, oh well. Yeah, X-23, Kid Cable, Psylocke, oh. or Quanon. Uh no, they call her Psylocke. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean she looks yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh no, they haven't said her name specifically, but she looks like, you know, nineties Psylocke with the bikini and the wraps around her legs. Yeah, it seems like they're kinda of leaving whoever else shows up maybe a little vague, but um Then there's the Marauders. That one's uh interesting because isn't that the one about the Hellfire Club? Uh it is a it is kind of almost an X Factor ish type oh, wait. of thing where it's yeah. a funded um half like intelligence group half it's like x factor and x force uncanny x force put together where half of it is half the team is like your your assassin crew and half of your team is your intelligence crew it's funded by emma frost and they're out on the high seas regulating the trade to oh, Krakoa, nice. which at first you go <laughs> they're pirates i, I mean it. they're pirates which is cool but and that's written by jerry duggan which should be awesome what i love is kitty pride with her with weird, Lockheed, with Lockheed, and but with her weird like broken nose, which I assume there's a reason she has a broken nose. With every art thing I've seen, and I think she's going that. by Kate now. Oh yeah, she's grown up. Um, and then New Mutants, and New Mutants, yes, which looks like pretty much. Oh wait, let's go back to Marauders. Oh sorry, because it's uh basically Cena Grace's uh Iceman oh. volume volume three cast. Yep. It's Iceman, Storm, Emma, Kitty with Lockheed, Bishop, Pyro. Yep. And I think Mr. Sinister is involved as well. Yeah, which is a real shame if they really did just take that idea. And... Beach-ass Sinister. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, New Mutants, which I know Hickman's a big New Mutants fan. It looks fairly much like the original lineup, but they got Gold it, Balls in there. It's a New Mutants um, oh, Gen gold X balls. kind of thing. And then they got Wolvesbane, yeah. uh, Lock, um, Danny Moonstar, Chamber. Uh, who is the one with the thing over her head? Uh, is that armor? No, karma, maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's karma. Okay. So, that's That's cool. I mean, again... Most of the books look good. I'm interested about Fallen Angels, because those three are a very interesting mix. Yeah. When you... Well, they're... Oh, 
cloning or people in their bodies like because x23 is a clone of wolverine kid cable had a clone made of him yeah. and um uh, if that's revenge Quanin, psylocke if yeah. that's the japanese one then she had her body she was switched out into with betsy yeah. braddock so interesting i idea. mean they all kind of have a connection in in that sense where they know not being in their own body type of thing yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this this is definitely, I, I, I don't know if I speak for everybody, but I did not give much of a care for the last, oh man, a while about X-Men books. Uncanny was okay, but I think they botched the way they brought back Scott, and I just overall have not, I, I was ready to drop all of them, but this this definitely has reinvigorated my uh There were interest. some good books, there wasn't, it didn't seem like they had a cohesive overall yeah. plan to move forward there's there, was, there were some sweet spots but yeah. just nothing overall yeah they're marking time and although kinda... the way they ended on candy x-men made me fucking laugh my ass off when they came back from the age of x-men and gene gray saunters right past wolverine and just starts macking on cyclops well, i was like yes bitch of course of course it made me so happy yeah it was nice fuck you wolverine so yeah x-men hickman lots of great artists on these books uh they all launch in uh, September, I guess, probably, or maybe like. No, like... I think they split between September and October. Okay. I think they're doing three, possibly three and three, or they might be doing it. They're they're it's a staggered launch, if I'm not mistaken. So definitely uh, tell your tell your LCS, your local comic shops, if you're interested in that, and let us know what you think. If you have theories about Hickman's crazy plan, like where is he going with all this? It's a multi-year plan. It's how he does it. Tell us what you think in the comments, and uh, or send us an uh, you know, email. At inf was it Flamon? I forgot the email. I've been off for so long. Just send it to any of our names at flamonshow.com. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. Go to the website. You can click on any of the uh, the the cast bios, and there's a little email link there. That's flamonshow.com. All right, topic two. Let's keep this rolling. That was a lot of good information, but it's a longer segment. Eric, talk to us about your first topic. So just when you thought you couldn't get more glory holes on TV. Oh, oh. now personal glory holes for everybody. <laughs> Everyone gets their own glory hole. You get a glory hole. You to get, get blown away. Yes. Lord. One of the new competition shows on Netflix. All about glass blowing. I can't believe it. Yeah. Where have we come as a society? It was very pretty. It where, was. Where did have, a lot of pretty things. Where have we come as a society? I see what you did there. Yep. In the personal glory holes, that's where we came. So wait a minute. I don't understand. Glory holes are a term in glass blowing. Yes. For what exactly? So you have the... Is it a forge? Is that what... I forget what it is. Where they melt all the glass. Yeah, that's a forge. And then they create the glass bubble, basically, that they're blowing and shaping and whatnot. Yeah. And they can't let it cool too much. They don't put it directly back into the forge, which is too hot. They have these smaller boxes, which are controlled heat, uh, which have a small hole in them. And that's the glory hole. Which is referenced as now, the glory hole. is this set anywhere? Because I do know that the uh, Pacific Northwest has that whole Chihuly blown glass tradition. This is not a U.S. show. Oh, it is okay. A, it is a U.K. show. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know where you exactly really know it's know by set. watching it. But no. But, I mean, the they, hosts are all English. Or, America. They don't well, yeah, they, they, uh, but they the way that it all starts out, they show like the uh, the countryside and all that. But it's it's a it's a United Kingdom production. Yeah, um, I mean, as far as the actual contestants and the host and the judges, I thought it was kind of unremarkable. Yeah, really, you're just there for the visuals of all the glass blowing. 
and learning a little bit about the process. Yeah, uh, it was cute. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think it was amazing. So cute. I had seen a bunch of like things about it online, like memes about you know how how could I get interested in a competition show about glass blowing? Three episodes later, I can't believe this person made this. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it gets. It's amazing to see some of the stuff that they do. Yeah. It's crazy to see when they have like this intricate piece that they've worked on, and then it falls off. I was surprised by the amount of broken glass throughout the and they just like they're like eh, all right let's do this again <laughs> and it's like you have to get so used to just things breaking that yeah. it's just crazy or the oh. egg that didn't fit back into the glory hole oh she was not happy no that lesbian feminist i'm i'm mad that she won i didn't i got her, like her final i didn't i like the other guys better I was a fan of his from through most of the competition, though, so I was kind of biased. I towards mean, he that. was certainly favored to win for sure. Yeah, um, and I liked his his th- his thing about you know climate change and preserving the world, and yeah, I like the different shapes representing uh, like wind and water, and he had all like those raindrops throughout the the room. Yes, yeah. Um, I mean, her egg was cool. Don't get me wrong, the egg was fucking awesome. And it was amazing to see like a a cast iron skillet I like made out cast, of glass. That, it was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I don't discredit her. She did a great job. Yeah. But I liked his I liked his concept a little bit better. Yeah, how think, how does a cast iron skill, skillet work with glass? How, like how? Well, she shaped it into the shape of a. Because they have these uh these bars uh-huh. that you break down and you melt into the glass to color them. So she made one that was like pure black, essentially, and it's crafted it into the glass and everything. So yeah. it has the same texture as a cast iron wood. No, no. Well, no. it's not so much that, but it looked like yeah. a cast iron skillet. Okay. It was just made out of glass, and then it had a hole in it. And she did um, sausage. She made sausages out of glass, and then strewn it through and down, and it was this Which- whole symbolism of. Yeah, oh, male dominated exactly it was all a commentary on it was all dicks penis <laughs> it was all penises everywhere <laughs> Pagnus. well there was a bunch of like sausages there was a whole bunch of like different things that phallic were phallic uh I imagery mean, she made a big hanging ham the ham yes. frankfurter, ha- frankfurter uh, sausages well and then she made the egg to represent the the female uh part of like invading the the male dominated work scene of this glass blowing it, it was it was a cool concept i just i thought that it was a little sparse and i was impressed with how much more he did yeah and filled up the space but you know i'm not a judge on these competition shows and that's why yeah i think it was one of those situations where she probably needed the win more than he did oh probably he's been doing it for like 30 years yeah yeah i mean it's very pretty to watch great thing to have on in the background her foot stepping out of the gum was interesting I agree that the gum was huge, but it was more comic than every, anything else. But that was an but amazing it, foot. It, it, oh, yeah. It was oh really cool. Uh, they had a ballet dancer come in, and the the thing was to show movement. And she did, uh, it was like a the bottom part of a calf into a foot that was, like, stepping up. So the toes were kind of, like... Arched or something? Almost like, almost like a hammer toe, kind oh, of, like, okay. as you're stepping up and you're, you're you know, when you're, like... You're like, oh, what am I? What's on my foot? And you have that kind oh, of like yeah, you bring yeah, your yeah. foot, your your heel up, and all I that. Look behind you. Yeah, and your toes, your toes are kind of like a little little curled. 
and <laughs> and she she like she made it look like a human foot, and it was really fucking cool. And he made the shape of like if your if your hand is upside down and you're walking your fingers along a table or something, that was his movement. Yeah, because it was like the it was like his son's pajamas, and it's he does the thing where like he walks his fingers up his sternum to wake him up or like tickle him and wake him up, and yeah, they were all really cool. Every contestant on there certainly was capable, and they wouldn't have had anyone who was completely inept at glass blowing. But there were a lot of beautiful things made throughout the competition, for sure. Um, but yeah, so that was I liked it. Nice. That's blown away on Netflix. BJ, give us a topic. Mine is also on Netflix. A, a I finally get closure. We finally get a season finale or series finale to Invader Zim of uh, Nicktoons fame. Hot off the heels of the Rocco's Modern Life. Yep, Static Cling. And that was, I was going to say it was the Hey Arnold movie that kind of like started this whole thing. Um, no, has anybody, have any of y'all watched it? Uh, I watched like random episodes back in the day, but I didn't know there was like this. Not cliffhanger, I don't know, but like I didn't know there was no resolution. No, not yeah, not really cliffhanger. And like the way it, the way it did, it's very Joan and Vasquez. Like it's and and the fact that it's Netflix, they kind of let they kind of kept the reins off of him because it's still produced through Nickelodeon. Um, but it's it's got that very Johnny the homicidal maniac feel again. Um, uh, it's got all, all pretty much almost all the exact same voice actors. I think minus one of the uh, the tallest, the Urkin leaders, um, but you it, it it doesn't skip a beat. You've pretty much had Dibs sitting inside of a um, sitting inside of his room monitoring Zim's house for like the past twenty years. Like that's just what he's been doing, um, and now he's like fused to his computer chair, and uh, Zim calls him a hideous goblin. Um, but it's still it's got it's it hits all the perfect notes. It's got the weird quick humor. Um, one of my personal favorite lines is when uh, Professor Membrane says how excited he is for Peace Day, and somebody says they're more excited, and like less than a second goes by, and he's like scientifically impossible. Um, so it's just it's got all those it's got all those great moments that made the show really good. Um, the way it ends is kind of just business as usual. Um, so it doesn't end in a way they couldn't make more. Exactly. Yeah. Well, okay, it, it ends. Cause... It ends. It just. It just because the only real cohesive plot points from the TV series that are in this is uh, there was the two-parter, the hideous girl named Tack episode, which was um Zim's uh invasion rival, and Dib stole her ship, so they referenced that all the time, uh, in this epi- in this movie, and then they reference um the uh the Urkin leaders who are just eating snacks and traveling from planet to planet blowing everything up just for funsies so no it's it's a lot of fun if if you are a fan of invader zim it is definitely worth a watch and it kind of brought me back to re-watching the series um because uh, i believe the series as of right now is uh completely all up on hulu including the unreleased christmas episode so it's on hulu yeah, the um the series uh yeah, they, I think they put the series up uh, the last time I watched it it was up on Hulu. And Netflix has the the this like continuation. That's interesting. Yeah, they have um oh. 
I think a lot of the old Nicktoon shows, uh, a couple of a handful of them are on Hulu. Yeah, they've gotten a lot of older television programming. But it's interesting. I know because like a lot of times when uh, like Hulu will be bringing something back, they'll have the rights to the original set. So that's just kind of interesting that that it happened that way. But yeah, if Nickelodeon is producing it, it's it could be a different. It's a kind of a different take on it versus Hulu being behind a uh, a revival. It's on Hulu, YouTube, Amazon Prime, so you can buy it on a lot of different platforms. But it's a part of the Hulu catalog right network now. yeah and then um so yeah if, if but uh i haven't sat down and watch uh watched rocco's modern life uh static <laughs> cling <laughs> yet i need to sit down and watch that is but that the one everybody's bitching about i i haven't heard anybody bitching about or it is that and i think of the other one they brought back one of them has a gay marriage that's arthur oh yeah that's arthur one of them had a trans character that's rocco that's so rocco. yeah so like arthur had the gay marriage mr rat married uh his partner oh uh, yeah so cute and then, yeah, Rocco had the uh, the trans character. So, like, you and know, Invader Zim had Mr. Uh, Bighead has a daughter now. Oh, and what does Invader Zim have? Uh, the peace uh, song. As a peace, peace, song. Is, peace in, is nice. Insanity. <laughs> That's what Invader Zim has. Like Invader Zim. The thing I like about Invader Zim is it really everyone is equally disgusting and terrible. That's that's the thing I like about Invader Zim. All the little lines from it. My problem is that it seems like the Earth wants to be destroyed. It's one of those little lines that has been with me since middle school. Nice. So that is Invader Zim on Netflix. Yep. All right, Josh. So uh, I am going to talk about Veronica Mars. Uh, Who? That goddamn theme song has been stuck in my head. It's so catchy. So recently, Hulu uh, put out season four of Veronica Mars now that they have acquired the rights. Season four takes place five years after the movie, which was released uh, from a Kickstarter campaign in 2014. And Although they reference everything, I think it's 2013 in the movie. Yes. So it was... Which is probably when it was filmed. Yes. Four, five, six... So that was I think it was like about nine seven years after, because it's been fifteen years since the show started. Right, I think it was about seven years after the series went off the air, which I think was in two thousand seven. Yeah, because two thousand four to two thousand five, two thousand five two thousand six, two thousand six to two thousand seven. So it it went about seven years when the movie was released. Okay, this takes place after the movie. Correct. Yes, everything is canon. All right. So. in the movie, well, season three got canceled, um, so they kind of corrected all of the the big major issues to give it kind of a resolution with the movie. Um, but I guess it. Or we up... call it regression, <laughs> and people need therapy. Lots of therapy, dear lord. So just to cut in real quick, because I will make uh, snarky asides. I had never seen Veronica Mars. Uh when friend of the pod hashtag friend of the pod. Uh, Jay Abbott was in town. He was excited because season four was on Hulu, and this meant that he could watch it here and not have to subscribe to Hulu to get it. And had talked about it. Didn't really spoil anything for me. And you had been talking about Veronica Mars. So I, about a week and a half ago, decided, fuck it. 
I'm going to dive in because I knew we were going to talk about it. And I purposefully didn't listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour episode because they were going to spoil stuff. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I sat down and I binged all three seasons on Hulu. In like a week and a half, right? And No. Well, everything was just over a week. I did all four seasons and the movie in just over a week. Craziness. Like probably about eight days. So I did all three. And then you let me the movie. And then I watched all of season four. So I am now like fully inundated. That's why that theme song is stuck <laughs> in my head. You watch it for uh, like 60 something episodes. Yeah, something like that. And uh, even when we were in the middle of doing a Pokemon Go like oh, Power yeah. Hour raids, I'm just come on now, sugar, <laughs> bring it on, bring it on now. So anyway, continue on. The theme song's so catchy. Um, I like that they kind of uh, did different iterations of it throughout the, the series. Yeah, I still like the Dandy Warhol's version, the second version that they did, the slower yep. for season three. I wasn't a big fan of the, the female song one that oh, was season, season four. four. Yeah. I like the visuals. The visuals those opening graphics were phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Although season three still has the best final like um, image. With uh, Veronica and her dad. No, yeah, Logan. where he's sitting at... No, Veronica oh, yeah, yeah, and, and at Keith. The desk, yeah. And Keith is sitting at, at the desk, and he's kind of staring in camera. And then she's looking And away. she's looking like down into the left a little bit. Yeah. So there's shadow over like half of her face. Like It is a perfect... like I love that image. Like That, to me, is like the best image that they, they've used for it. Yeah, I would say season three's opening, um, especially with the ending, and season four, like the visuals are very, very good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so having binge watched uh, everything back to back myself, um, <laughs> I was able to see that there are a lot of things from the series that they do keep. Uh, now, granted, there are some continuity issues, um, but they're minor, fairly. Uh, but they, they do have a lot of the details down. I mean, they make several references throughout the entire show and the movie, um, which, having watched the movie last night, after watching all the se- the sh- seasons, uh, I, I'm, it's easier for me to, to kind of, like, call back to them. But even so, like, I watched all, all four seasons within a week, and, like, Parker looks nothing like Parker. No. Like, he literally had to say her name. And I was like, oh, that's who that is. Okay, good to know. Like there are things that are just very. Do they recast or they just change? No, well, it's been. They did well. The movie recast one character. Which character? Carrie Bishop, uh, the Uh, the singer, the one that that gets that's yeah. yeah, But she's because she she was played uh, in the series by Leighton Meester. Oh, Um, that's right. So, but she she didn't come back for the movie, so they they ended up recasting her just just to be a dead character. so, but I mean, they made so many references that I, I really appreciated. And as I would agree with what, well, actually, Pat will agree with me. Um, Maybe. The show, the first three seasons are definitely dated. <laughs> there are certain things <laughs> that are kind of a timeless thing. Right. And there are many things that do not age well with this show the technology obviously like and i I said this to josh when we were we were in the car driving back from uh from community day uh when keith mars veronica's dad calls her and he's like where are you at and she's investigating this thing she's trying to find the daughter of this guy 
and she's in a motel and she's like i'm at this little art store and he's like take a picture and send it to me in 2019 you would think let me grab a quick selfie and just text it to him she hangs up the phone cut to the next scene she has hung art on the wall of this of this motel room she has set up a tripod and her nikon oh, i'm sorry her Ico, because they they black out the n and the n like we can't still read them she sets up a tripod with her her Ico camera and fucking takes a picture busts out the laptop and it's and it's like and she's fucking having to download this this from a compact flash i'm sure um because that's how dated it is that there's fucking compact flash and has to email him this picture and i'm just like this was 2006 this isn't that long ago but it's still amazing how far the technology comes it, so it, how quickly how yeah how quickly technology developed or even the in the movie where she's like what's the uh what's the biggest you know memory card you have and he's like 256 no 256 gigs which is still a big card like yeah i shoot on a 128 so like and at that point in time in 2013 like that probably cost him a pretty fucking penny that would probably be what we have like a terabyte now yeah and it, uh, i mean sometimes depending on what you're looking at right maybe maybe not even maybe more than that uh but then it made me it made my little photographer heart so happy because he's like he's like that should she's like that should do and he's like you can put like seventy five thousand pictures. She's like, I shoot raw. It takes up a <laughs> right? lot of space. And I was yeah. like, Yes, it does. <laughs> it made me. It made my nerdy art, my nerdy photographer art, so happy that that was actually like properly done. And it, yeah, but there are certain things about the show that, like, mutually assured destruction episode. I could not believe how vengeful and vindictive Veronica was. Oh yeah, and that was one of the few times. That they ever that they really like put a focus on that, where it was like okay, she usually solves these cases, and it's very matter of fact. Here's here's this information, okay, but the fact that she was like, oh no, he fucked with you. We're sending like we're doing this, like let's let's send out this thing where, again, something that didn't age well. They were trying to make this you know stalkerish guy appear to be gay, and that was a horrible thing. So. Like, things like that where one of the characters they were trying to find their dad and it turns out he's now a woman and he's like you're a circus freak and it's like okay these things maybe aren't so great anymore you know <laughs> the times have changed but yeah so there i mean it's amazing to see back at that point in time storylines that involved this like that right. involved um you know a dad that had transitioned and was driving 30 minutes you know because their son thought that they were dead but it was because their mother didn't want them to know that they were really a woman and all this and blah blah, blah and you know that it, 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 it resolved in a more progressive and better way but it's still some of this stuff doesn't really sit all too well and again friend of the pod jay abbott was very mad and called me called me out without naming names on facebook because I texted him when I was in the middle of, I think, season two and was like, I don't like any of these guys that she's dating because they're all toxic relationships. I don't think Leo was. Leo wasn't, but she's horribly um, uh, damaged oh, as a person. A, absolutely. So it's not a good relationship because she needs to work on herself and, and help heal herself before she can actually have a healthy relationship because she's just using him for the most part. 
because as soon as she has an attraction to somebody else, she's made out with Logan. And she's like, I can't see you anymore. I just made out with my dead best friend's boyfriend. At least she was honest about it, though. She was. That was probably one of the few times that she really was, you know, just legit honest and took care, to handled uh, something like that right away. Yeah. But that Logan and Veronica relationship, I don't care how many people out there. And it's it's a bygone era because at that point in time, if you grew up with the show, and this is what I had said to you in the text message, I don't fault it for being a show of its time. Right. But you also can't deny that if you came up with it, you have a a different lens on how you look at it. 100%. When you're watching it back 15 years later, almost 15 years later, and you know the signs of a codependent or an abusive relationship or any of those things, I'm not going to sit there and root for Logan and Veronica. I don't care about the movie. I don't care how how much how reformed you want to make him in either the movie or in the, the fourth season. That was an extremely toxic relationship. And the thing is, like, as a teenager, when, like, watching it when it came out, none of it even registered. Well, no. And because we didn't, we didn't acknowledge those things as being what they were. Right. We've evolved and we've grown, one, as a society, and two, as people, because we've grown and we've matured. So we look back, we look at those relationships, and you look back and you go, okay, so, and they bring this up in the fourth season, which I understand that you try to do things in season to show that you're addressing them, but they have this relationship for years and he's in the military and he goes to therapy and they bring this up and it's like five years. Have you just started going to therapy? Because then she's sitting over here poo pooing it and then talking about she doesn't recognize him anymore and he doesn't have that passion and that fire and that jealousy and that rage red flag red fucking flag and then he punches a fucking wall and she basically hops on his dick <laughs> legit i think her panties fell off and she li- literally because he's thrusting into her it got very graphic it, it in did. this season her almost nakedness i was like Kristen bell i am pretty positive as i was watching the movie or oh no it was actually season four episode one yeah, when she has sex with Logan for the, the, I that first scene, I think I saw like a teeny, teeny bit of nipple. I I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> like, I mean, when they showed like, him coming out of the water in that little box cut bathing suit, right? Where you could basically tell his religion. I'm not going to say that Logan isn't an attractive man, but but yeah, like, but it it makes me also a little sad that you're gonna have this be this whole thing where major red flags of an abusive relationship, mentally abusive relationship where she wants that, that hit to be him. And he's trying apparently to be, better. to be better. Yeah. And he does say, well, you know, I'm going to leave my, the, my therapist phone number the next day when she's like, you know, the hair pulling and the blah, blah, blah. But it just, then it kind of gets tossed to the wayside until like the last little bit of the, the season. And it just, it, it was a nice show, but the, <laughs> it was nice. Th- the noir, the detective-y part of it. And I will agree with uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour. Way too much Patton Oswalt in season four. That I, is I would not agree. possible. Oh, it is super it possible. Is. Watch uh, season four. It is It is amazingly possible. Like, at first, I was excited for it, but yeah, I would agree. I yeah, because agree. so many of these like kind of cameos are one and dones. Like Paris Hilton in fucking season one. And then they, men- and they, and they mentioned they it later. Well, because she, she was a character, but then they mentioned Paris Hilton multiple times later on in the season. And it's like, 
Y'all remember she was a guest star on the show, right? But <laughs> but the but yeah, it, it was it was kind of interesting. And it I didn't necessarily put it all together, but again, I was kind of watching half not eighty percent watching and doing other stuff at the same time. But yeah, it, it was a little it was a little heavy handed. But the gra- it was sleek. And what killed me was that little girl. First off, I thought her name was Maddie, not Matty, M-A-T-T-Y, which it took me until I saw the episode description. You know, I thought it was Maddie with D's as well. Yeah, no, it's Maddie, M-A-T-T-Y, because it's actually in the episode descriptions. Oh, okay. um, but when that bitch is like, what she called her out for a 10-year-old car, like a 10-year-old dump of a car, I was like, first off, that car looks pretty damn good for 10 years old. Like, what are you trying to talk about up in here, bitch? I was very mad at her for that. <laughs> but then I was, it was kind of funny watching Veronica deal with veronica right i mean <laughs> maddie was essentially a younger version of her exactly but in you know a new age you know the thing that i liked about the show i mean i grew up watching it and, and watching it now it, it it grew like the between the movie and the fourth season it adapted you know and grew with the original audiences and and i feel like mannerisms and and uh, I guess you know characters with you know it kept the charm right, but it advanced it, itself it, it with that. I agree. I I still think and and now if we do carry on, if they carry on, I think they're I think they might do another season. To be honest, it's possible. Apparently, um, both Rob Thomas Hulu basically asked Rob Thomas and Kristen Bell what their schedules look like. <laughs> so there's a possibility for a season five. Um, there are articles that that talk about like what it would take to get the cast back to do another season. There is a big jarring um, end to the final episode of the season. Uh, there, There's some things that they could... There are definitely ways that they could go with it, but if they do, I hope that it involves Veronica growing and yeah. maybe not having a relationship and just focusing on that and making herself a better person. Seeing how... Finally seeing it in Maddie, maybe that and that would help to make her change and well even with the the beginning of the movie you know jamie lee curtis had mentioned you know her studying psychology and you know asked about all of these things that she did in her youth you know what does that say about a person she flat out you know called herself out of being you know uh an adrenaline junkie and compulsive or impulsive you know and all these bad qualities that she she's totally aware of but she, she also really thinks that to... they're a plus in some ways. Right. And, and is... I can see how, you know, in certain situations they can be. Yeah. As a PI, know, yes. 100%. But. And I would agree, you know, Logan and her relationship is toxic. I'm. There are things. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I, I grew up originally and I didn't have that. It's toxic. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doubting that it's it's toxic, but. There are like there are a lot of good qualities about Logan that I see. Is he upfront with them? Not always. Does he have a temper? Yes. You they know, changed Logan dramatically for the movie and for this season. And they evolved him. They they basically went from Charmander <laughs> to Charizard <laughs> without any type of like showing us any evolution. It was just like, okay, he's this, and now he's a better person. The one thing I noticed rewatching everything is I feel Veronica's a little self-centered. What rewatching um, it now? Yes. Oh, for sure. You know, like her relationship with her friends, like 
uh, Mac and, and Wallace. Oh, yeah. It's always about, what can can you do this for me? Can you do this for me? Right. And other characters, side characters, call her out on it all the time. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, it's your world and we just live in it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely hope to see Mac more in oh. the... I love that. In, a, in the next season, if she returns. Uh, yeah, I hope so, too. Maybe she'll come back from Belgium or Budapest or wherever she was in this uh, this season. But that is Veronica Mars, season four, and uh, our my, my, my take on the first three seasons in a movie, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just going to do a quick little touch on uh, Provincetown. Bear Week happened uh, last month. It was a fantastic time, as always. Um, I want to... Uh, shout out some of the celebrities that we got to see uh, i met margaret cho while i was up there which was awesome she had done a show on saturday night and we were walking down commercial street some uh random person had stopped her was talking to her and took a selfie and i was like who is that who is that person it's got to be somebody and then i saw her phoenix tattoo on her arm and i was like oh my god it's margaret cho so i like scooted my gay ass up to her and i was like miss cho hi i'm such a big fan um and i got a selfie with her uh, we met Ryan O'Connell, who is the uh, writer and star of Special Yay! on Netflix. He was really, really fucking cool. Um, I don't remember exactly how that interaction started. I was very drunk. It was after tea dance. Shocker. What? <laughs> uh, we did our. We had our annual uh, run in with Brian Sims. Yay! Uh, and I got to meet Billy Porter, which I was saw. fucking amazing. Right? Oh my god. <laughs> Um, we were, Matthew and I were at a wave bar on, I think it was a Sunday night for, uh, show tune Sundays. They've added an extra night of show tunes. And this other guy was like, oh yeah, Billy Porter was, uh, next door at the, the party dancing. And I was like, Are you, what? Oh my God. I'm like, we're not going to see Billy Porter for the rest of the week, whatever. And then like the next day they, the Emmy nominations came out and he was, uh, now he's Emmy nominated Billy Porter. Uh, if he hasn't been already. And then it was our, I think it was our final tea dance. It was either Friday or Saturday tea dance. And we were, we met these guys. We're taking a picture with them. And Mikey comes over and is like, Pat, Billy Porter is leaving tea dance. I legit turned to those guys and I was like, thanks for the picture. Gotta go. Threw my half full planner's punch into the trash. You threw away half a planner i know it was sad but he was leaving tea dance and you know they uh, you can't walk out that door you can't walk up that hill with that with that planner's punch in your hand they're gonna make you either throw it out or finish it and i was drunk and so i just i flung that shit into the garbage it spilled it like you know splash back at me because it was mad but you know whatever and then i managed to walk past him up to the street and then mikey's saying that i'm like oh where is he and mikey's like he's right there and i was like oh my god (laughs) So I was like, okay, gotta get my camera ready. And some guy's like, he's not taking pictures with people, which I get. You're on vacation. Like, I get it. So I handed my phone to Scotty and set the camera up. And I was like, take paparazzi pictures. I was <laughs> wondering why the picture looked like some stalker picture. Yeah. Yeah. I would crop it down. Matthew didn't crop down the picture to make it, you know, at least a little tighter. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I got to drunkenly, you know, thank him for all that he's done. And I got a hug from him and he was phenomenal. Uh uh, shout out to Minorities, which is a uh, a queer black company that does some fantastic shirts. They were part of the uh, bear market that was there. Uh, so that's Minority and then T-E-E-S. Uh, they have a really cute um, logo 
It's uh, he's got a little afro with a lapro pick. I got the card. I'll I'll put a picture up on the uh on the Facebook page. Um, shout out to Tribal Sun, to uh, Shane Ruff and Burley shirts. Uh, designs by Sarge. I got an adorable little uh pillow. It's like pink and either black or pink and like dark navy blue. It's got that little plaid pattern that I, I use in my stuff. It's adorable. Uh, but it was fantastic. And uh, again, like the bear market uh, donates proceeds to the uh, the food bank up in Provincetown. And it was just a great time. I got to bring more people that I care about to experience their first time in Provincetown. If you haven't gone, go. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we saw Bianca Del Rio. We saw Varla Jean Merman. We saw Ben De La Creme. I got to meet Ben's uh, fiance. Yes. Um, Ben's show, Ready to Be Committed, was phenomenal. Um, Better than just was Inferno a go go. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. It, it it's it's interesting, but it's it's a different take on like life and and what you what you put out there as far as looking for relationships and interactions with people and. Um, it's it was very it was very moving in a different way than Inferno a go go was, uh so yeah it, it was great I got a uh, an adorable um uh kind of sexy poo uh picture where it's he's a uh, kind of a chubby blonde bear uh human bear not actual animal uh I'll see if I can scan that and put that up as well it might be a little too big for uh, for my scanner but. A lot of great stuff up there, and um, oh, and Daniel Franzesi. That's I forgot to mention that I, I ran into him again uh, on the the boat back from uh, Provincetown, the fast ferry back. So it was good times, and uh, that was my trip to Provincetown in a nutshell. I'm in a nutshell. In a nut. I was thinking that. All right. So <laughs> if you if you are enjoying this episode and more stuff that the Nerdy Show Network provides for you then you could become a patron and help make sure that our episodes continue on by going to patreon.com forward slash nerdy show. You can become a patron at any dollar amount. You get bonus content, audio, pictures, lots of great stuff. And if you want, you can even earmark some of that money to come directly to us at Flame On. Just leave a little note there. You can also check us out online at flameonshow.com. By the time this goes up, there will be brand new headshots. Everybody will have a, a little thing up on the website. You'll actually get to see what Josh looks like. Maybe some information about him. Eric eh. won't just be Sora. It'll be good times. Uh, so go to flameonshow.com. Scroll to the bottom. All of our chicklets are there so you can follow us on social media. And uh, carry on. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, time to start round two of our topics. I'm going to go to my left because it is going to be a joint topic because they both got to experience this together. Uh, I did not get an invite. Thank you, BJ. Whatever. Listen, I wasn't actually going to go, but uh-huh. I was only allowed one person. None of my cast member friends were like, hey, do you want to go? So I haven't. I just get to watch all the pictures of people being like, oh, look at me hold my hand up in front of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> I wasn't invited either. It Bri- makes you feel better. Bri- Brian lucked out because he just happened to message me because I was like, eh, I don't really know if I want to go. And so he happened to message me. And let me tell you, so first, so first he messages me and I'm sitting there in the cafeteria like, do I lie to him (laughs) and say I don't have one? And I'm like, you know what? He caught me on a good day. So I got up and I I went on, I went on like my work website and everything. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, if I have to hunt, if I have to hunt for these tickets, I'm not, I'm just going to tell him I can't do it. So then right there on the main page. It's it's like, it's like select your times, and I was like, ah, uh, fine, fuck it. So then, so real quick before you go, before you continue on the story and get too far, and I mean, we've dropped all these clues. What are we talking about? We are talking about Galaxy's Edge, the uh, new Star Wars themed land at uh, Hollywood Studios here in Orlando, which has not opened to the public yet. Uh, August twenty ninth is when it opens to the public. So shortly after this episode comes out, um, because. California Anaheim has opened theirs to the public. So California uh, Anaheim has opened theirs, but they only had, um, I think they had uh, the gift shops, the restaurants, but they didn't have a, their ride just opened like I think a couple like two or three weeks ago. Okay, smuggler smugglers run over there just opened because I think is Rodolfo had posted a comment on the pictures on the Facebook page with some of his. His thoughts about Anaheim's da- version. Daniel yeah. did. Oh, was it Daniel? It was Daniel okay. Yeah. Daniel, sorry. Um, I knew one of our like longtime listener friends had posted. Uh, and I was trying to think without researching. Just like Republicans. Uh, <laughs> so continue on. So this is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge here at Walt Disney World. So you were looking at times. I'm sorry. So so um uh we can select we could we could bring one person with us and we could select like one experience. Um so I'm just I'm just scrolling through and I'm like, are you available on this day? He's like, no. I'm like, you available on this day? No. And I'm just scrolling through and I, and after like five ten minutes, I'm just like, I'm gonna lie to this man. <laughs> you know, most of those days it wasn't like, oh, I'm working. Oh, I'm. It's like I'm out of town. No, I'm out of town. I'm out of town because I'm out of town a lot. <laughs> so that was really legit. And and uh, so finally I found I I think it was the it was the day before they stopped the cast member previews. Um, and right now they're going through, uh, pass holder previews, but, um, so I, uh, it was like five o'clock last Thursday. So about a week and a half 
uh, from when this episode comes out. And so, yeah, we so we so we made the time. We got there. I left my wallet in the car. Had to go back to the car. Um, and we, uh, I had no idea what to expect because I'd seen pictures, but everybody was telling me it was like a huge area. And uh, we kind of we kind of it started out. We just like stopped. What do we do? We stopped for a pic- one picture. Yeah. So every so often in front of a set piece, they'll have uh, Disney photographers. And if you're a uh, what is it? A, a pass holder. Yeah. If, can, well, if you're a pass holder or a cast member, you got free uh, free photo passes. So they'll do their little oh. shot for you. And uh, no wonder so many people actually have the pictures. So I'm like, these bitches don't be <laughs> buying those photos. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. That makes so much more sense. I mean, it's phenomenal advertising oh, because they're great photos. Oh, yes. No, they, they make you pose in certain ways. And I guess, did you ever figure out if you can add stuff or is that what they do? I, I don't know. I'm still trying to... F- fiddle with the app see if i can at least add a porg to like your face or something ah, i know a porg can sure. be added yeah. Because yeah rick and uh michael who own rangers went and they had him put his arm up and they put a porg on his arm but they basically tell you like do this pose do this pose do that pose um so yeah we did we took pictures in front of a couple of things at the entrance which you know the entrance you walk up to this giant like cave thing and you're like what the hell it, you can't quite place what it's from it looks like it could be like an english fort i mean it's not i i think it's referencing like a, a tunnel to a movie set or something oh is that I, what i'm is? sure i'm sure it's because it, since it's at hollywood studios everything kind of references either making a movie or like the mi- movie making process so it could be like um, a ton like a it could be some like famous tunnel. Yeah, I, I, whatever it is, it separates the lands. And then once you're in, in that, you are in this very differently landscaped, distinctly otherworldly sort of scene. And it was also overcast and humid as hell. Oh yeah. So like you have these cast members that are dressed in not the most uh, Florida friendly costuming. But very cool. I guess they get to what pick their own costumes. Yeah. And all that stuff. Um. So I do know that cast members. I think depending on which area you're stationed in, you can actually get, um, you get like merchant, uh, costume. There's merchant costume, resistance costume, and first order costume. And I know depending on which areas that you'll be working at, you kind of get to pick. Um. I do know for smugglers run, they had like smuggler. Uh smuggler attire the cool thing is that their uh their name tags are completely different from the other name tags. yeah you're not like from titusville or japan it's from alderaan or tatooine or whatever place you want to make i mean in the star wars world you know or universe bright suns traveler yeah well and then they actually had their own lingo which is like the spire a lot of stuff around this thing called the black spire it's it's the it's the black spire trading port so like it's like till the spire or may the spire protect you and so like the 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 the, the lingo that merchants will do you know you're not paying in um, dollars you're paying in credits they do like that'll be 220.95 credits uh pictures are hollow scans i forgot uh, yeah. what receipts are like data cards anyway they've definitely done a really good job of keeping this other worldly star wars theme throughout it's very they're trying to be very very immersive cast uh cast member um ids and discounts are called uh credentials so we go in there we kind of wander around we go through the main market we're looking at little porg wood carvings and 
other random just merch stuff, which was all very cool and unique. And uh, the, the, the little shopping area was beautiful, especially when we came back through later at night. It was all lit up and it just looked it looked amazing. Yeah, they, that place is freaking gorgeous. Um, then we get to the Millennium Falcon. And of course, it's just sitting out in this giant sort of area where it's like a landing area. And then that's also where the Smuggler's Run ride is. And we did that eventually. Um, that one was uh, a mixed bag, I would say. So uh, Smuggler's Run, you are you apparently you're part of this uh, trading company that's owned by Lando Calrissian. So obviously you're either you're either de- dealing with dirty dealings or you're just ru- you're running something for somebody else. But apparently the head honcho rents the Millennium Falcon from uh, Chewie to do a quick r- uh, run and you're the team. So you've got uh, you've got two pilots. Uh, one pilot uh, p- uh, does up down. The other one does left right. And one of them uh, does the um, hyper A B A B. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got uh, me and me and Brian were the gunners. Not as exciting as you think. You're sitting right behind the pilots and your guns are buttons. You hit buttons and you can't tell. I couldn't tell when I was supposed to hit the button, even though it did flash because it's like off to your peripheral. Yeah. So, and you're, you're awkwardly like reaching your claw over to the left or right to hit the button. It's very uncomfortable. And, uh, yeah, and then the engineers, we were told, and it sounds like it's true, they don't even do much at all. The, well, I mean, so if the if you have to fire gla- grappling hooks at some point, and I don't know if this is a thing that if the scenario changes, because I know on Star Tours, you can ride it multiple times. I think there's over 40 different scenarios you can possibly get. So I don't know if they're going to do that with Smuggler's Run. I heard it varies a little bit at the end. When you're going back to the uh, base, and and that you get depends like an on asteroid how, field or something, and that's how well, uh, depending on how well you've done. Yeah, so so you know you got to ride a few different times probably to see some variation, but overall, I think we would agree the pilots are the way to go. Yes, the if pi- you have a choice, which we didn't even have a choice. Yeah, so the pilots are the way to go. You do get to wait in the Millennium Falcon, which yeah. was kind of awesome. I think I posted those pictures up on the Facebook page. Um, those are where like I think some of the best set recreations are there. I mean the. The Millennium Falcon looks absolutely amazing, but you're in that waiting room for up to like maybe ten or more minutes. But we were there for what, like two minutes, and we're, so it was uh, like, we were there for about five. Move, bitches! We gotta get a picture with the yeah, chest. Very much, yeah. So, um, so if you do ride it, and if you're with a group of people, if you're with a group of four, try to pick the pilots. Cause, six, you gotta be with six. Uh, is it six? Yeah, yeah. six. Um, because uh, our pilots were hot garbage. Nah, they're gross. And then if you're motion sick at all, like I have bad motion sickness. It's not the worst ride I've been on. I've been on much more, like, make you want to vomit. But I felt afterwards like I had a concussion for about, like, 10, 15 minutes walking yeah. around. It was very, like, yeah. Anyway. Well, well, we had to, uh, and to to fix that, we had to go over and ingest uh, uh, copious amounts of blue and green milk. Which, basically, the blue milk's from Tatooine, the green milk's from the, what is it, Jedi Octo. It's what Luke drinks out of the cow. The Both. Teat. The, the tea. Both are very uh, tasty. One's got like a rum alcohol if you want to add it. Uh, the other one's tequila. But honestly, I think we decided that alcohol really was so negligible and it's like double the price. It's not worth yeah, it. Yeah. So um, blue milk actually kind of is like a sweet citrus. And uh, green green milk is kind of like a floral. It's like a hibiscus, lavender. Uh, and they're, they're So they're kind of like smoothies almost. Yeah, they're very much like smoothies. The base is uh, rice milk and uh, coconut milk. Very good, though. So su- super good. Like, he was just like, maybe we should try it without the alcohol. And I was like, yes. 
Yeah, so so get more. there's first order areas. There's the resistance kind of sort of areas. There is a Jedi temple slash store that is probably my favorite store. It has all the old hilts. It has holocrons you can buy. All this Jedi lore, all this cool stuff. And you you can buy re- so you can buy replicas of characters lightsabers um from uh from there uh usually those are running you probably about 140 150 is that where you can get the robes also that's a separate store that's a separate store but they have like robes tunics you can dress like ray although i found out today if you wear or if you buy any of that you can't change into it there at the park yes which i was like well that's not cool well they don't allow adults in costumes which isn't entirely true because we saw people who were in kind of costume who weren't cast members. But like I'm sure it's like a fine line. Like yeah, you could yeah. have the hair but not have the full outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they don't want confusion. I get that. But the uh the, the lightsabers, now that you mention it, do you want to tell the okay. mythic legend here? Okay. So oh also we got to see what a Sarlacc actually looks like. And it's absolutely fucking horrifying. And now when I go rewatch was it um the Return of the Jedi? I will now feel very, very, very sorry for Boba Fett. Um, no, so um, so we're walking around. We had hit the gift shops, and Brian sees a pin. And I like pins. I'm by like, the way. oh lord, the he's. Thing. I'm like, here we go. We're gonna hunt for this pin. So we hunt for this pin, and we can't find it. And I'm like, okay, this is fucking weird. I know you can buy a Disney pin. They will take your money for a goddamn pin. So we're wandering around, wandering around. We stop at the Builder Droid thing because uh, Brian's money was burning a hole in his pocket because... Well, I wanted to do the build the lightsaber, but then you couldn't get that experience, it, right? Exactly. You so. you have to make an appointment I, to do it, and I was only allowed to make one. I was going to console myself with building a droid, and then I looked at the droids. I didn't quite figure out, like, oh, what do they do? It was kind of weird. And Anyway, I was like, nah, nah, it's all right. I don't need to spend money on this. So we're wandering around, and I'm like, hey, why don't we ask if it's maybe something you get from... The lightsaber thing. Well, I don't even think we... Did you think that? Because I was just... I, I think we were just like, hey, let's just walk by the lightsaber area, which they absolutely make hard to find. Yeah, It is not clearly marked. They want you to discover it or ask cast members about it to hunt. So you're kind of like it's a quest to find it. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, it's... Spoiler alert, it's behind the uh, Jedi Temple. <laughs> so so we're wandering around. So we find it. And so the... um. The first cast member that comes up to us, uh, so I just we just ask her like, uh, she asks if we have an appointment, and I'm like, no, I couldn't get an appointment for this, and she proceeds to lean in real, real close and whispers, um, that we can. She's like, we're taking walk-ins, so I just look at Brian and I'm like, well, here's your chance. So we walk up and uh, I I got him a ten percent discount. I um, appreciate that's about you. Um. So we walk in, and so he they give us our little cards to get ready to go in, and um, so we're sitting there, and they bring us like a menu of which which build you want to put together, and so they have like the Jedi build, the Sith build, like the power and control, but then they have these two other builds that aren't super familiar. There was one was like light and hope or something, and the other one was like nature, elemental, elemental and nature, yeah. which had the symbol of the fucking pin we had been looking for for like an hour right next to it. And it's basically, when I looked at the options, it's the one I would have gravitated for towards because it's like the old Republic kind of style back when it wasn't as refined. It was very like what you could find, scraps put together, bone, leather, wood, metal, 
you know, it's kind of got a very sonic screwdrivery look. And it was the pen I had been looking for. So all of that combined with the fact that they could get me in, it was not hard to convince me to part with uh, however many hundred credits. <laughs> um, so I'm so I'm so of course now I'm sitting here like, what the fuck? This can't be real. Um, so when you build your lightsaber, it is it is uh, akin to the wand selection ceremony at Universal. Like you go in and what you think is kind of like you're trading scraps and stuff is actually a kind of hidden. They're called the finders and they look for people who are sensitive with the force and help them build a lightsaber. So you actually get your own custom. You make your own custom lightsaber. Yeah. Okay. So that explains why your handle looks a little different. Right. No. Okay. So it's a tray of parts and depending on which of the pins or which of the sets you do, they give you that tray. They also let you pick the color crystal that resonates with you. And I will say that yeah, I've not done the Harry Potter one thing. I've heard it's really interesting. They do a really good job of making it feel like an organic, authentic experience. Mm. Once you're inside, you've already signed your life away on the uh, credits, you know, to get in. Right. But once you're there, I, and BJ, uh, BJ's got a couple videos of it. Yep. Um, they do a great job. There's some really good, clear YouTube videos. They, they've been Disney's been very good about like record everything, post it. We want all this uh, out oh, there. Yeah. We want people to come and check this out eventually. So. Uh, Eventually. It, it was a really amazing experience. I, I, I will admit I was moved at one point, not to full tears, but I welled up a little bit. I, she asked me, like, how, who, who would, like, who's, how long have you guys been waiting to build your own lightsaber? And I'm standing there, and most people there were not kids. In fact, I didn't see very many kids at all. No, there were, I, didn't, I think I saw like maybe two kids yeah. during and, the whole day. And, and in this room, it was mostly 20s to 40s or maybe even a couple 50s. I don't know. I'm probably on the older side there. And I raised my hand. I say 20 plus years. And she's like, oh, that's that's a lot longer than I I meant that what I would expect. You know, like <laughs> I think she was thinking like, oh, yeah, I think I've been thinking about it for you know, a couple hours now or something. Anyway, uh, and there's some other cool, five minutes. Yeah, there's some <laughs> other cool moments that happen. But you build your lightsaber. You, you put the crystal and you add all the pieces that you want. And then there's a whole thing where you light it up. They basically connect the tube. And then it, uh, you know, you have this moment. I'm going to use the power of this mic. Let's see if it'll uh, pick this up. So, I mean, the uh, the replica is very hefty. I think the hilt's like maybe 15, 20 pounds. It's like it's like got some heft. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's uh, it's not a retractable. So you have this tube coming out that is a bunch of LEDs that light up. And again, the color crystal will change the color of your blade. You can buy replacement crystals. And change the color of your blade at any time. And um, you don't get the spare parts that you don't use. But online, people are selling the spare parts and mods and all that. So you can change stuff out whenever you want. So you can take it apart, put it back together, yada, 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 all that stuff. Um, but yeah, and you build your saber and then you're on your way out. And they're like, oh, and by the way, you don't want to drop this. So here's a free... Uh, Gift, uh, or not gift bag. But a in in your hand, case. you hold incredible power, and incredible power should not be dropped on the ground. <laughs> so we'll be giving you uh, sheaths, and they actually play it off like you, like if you have one out in the park, there are First Order troopers wandering around, and they'll actually like start kind of meandering towards you. Um, Which we didn't try. No, we, we, we didn't do that, but they did, yeah. they did see, I did hear them talk, talk, and they were said like, "Is that a saber? No, that couldn't be right. They know what'll happen to them if they have a saber. Well, let's go check it out." And they start wandering towards the person. So, um, no, it was it was like as as this whole thing's playing out, and I'm, and I'm doing my little videos, 
Um, I'm like, son of a bitch. I should have did this. <laughs> I should have fucking did it. I should have just, I should have whipped out my credit card and done it. And I like, I, cause the thing is when this thing opens, it's going to be insane. Yeah. It's going to be pandemonium. But it honestly, when I tell you guys, it's actually kind of worth it. The whole experience. If you've been a big Star Wars fan for most of your life, it's something you should probably do. And what does the uh, the lightsaber set you back? Because I mean, I'm looking uh, at it and I'm like, it, it's got to be at least like a hundred. So the, no. the so build the build your own droids are two or a hundred. So if okay. you want to build your own droid, which were pretty cool, they're about like I don't know, about a foot and a half, maybe a foot. And they're remote control, and they beep and boop, and they have chips and all this shit. To build your own lightsaber, it is two hundred. Okay, I was gonna guess around one forty nine or so. Now so, you can go online and get beautiful, custom made, like battle ready. In other words, you can hit them, and they, people do like you know sword fighting or saber fighting, whatever, for like less than that. So this is really you're paying more for the experience, XPL. but also the fact that you're you know you're building a lightsaber so it's the experience but I mean, i'm kind of sold on it now <laughs> it it really is cool i mean i'm i'm a 42 year old man that really doesn't need any more shit but i i had to do this it so. brings you joy it did and it like i took it to work today because you know i'm that kind of guy and everybody's like Ooh, what's that dude so so it's like you know it's and they're a bunch of star wars fans at and, work. and the whole and like i said the the whole the whole time i'm sitting there like we're gonna have to wander around for two hours to find this damn fucking pin, and then of course the pin turns out to be for the lightsaber build that he wanted, and I'm like, motherfucker, the force is real, and this asshole's a Jedi, and what about <laughs> what the fuck am I? Am I Han? I don't want to be Han. You be Chewie. Do you get the pin with it? Though? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. So you get so you get a you get an exclusive pin that you, they will not be selling in the stores. Um, I've got some clarification on that. You you cannot get the pin. There's rumor that they will have diff- they will have seasonal builds or rare builds that will be the same price. Shut your mouth. Um, once Ugh. once they figure out like how long people are gonna how long it's gonna take for this to relax a bit, and then I'm sure they'll have different actors. They may have like a dark side version of the experience. There's there's a lot of ways they can ways they can customize it. Um. But yeah, you get the exclusive pin, you get the sheath, uh, you get the you get the lightsaber, and I'm uh, do you still have the receipt? I imagine you do. I did not keep the receipt. Oh, okay, I would say, um, but I do know uh, if you do, if anybody listening does it, hold on to your receipt because I'm almost a hundred percent sure um, they will. If anything's faulty, as long as you have the receipt, they will either replace the part or give you that exact same build as brand new. All right, so that is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge open for pass holder previews and opening to the public the end of this month. The 29th, you said? Yep, the 29th, the same day as uh, Food and Wine starts. Nice. So property's going to be nuts. Labor Day weekend. Nice. All right, Eric, give us topic two for you. Just when it can get any gayer. Queer Eye is back. Woo! For season four. Ooh. Uh, on Netflix. Listen here, Karamo. You will not get my feelings. You will pry my feelings from my cold, dead hands. You hear me, you wiz- you feelings wizard? That's a lie. Karamo's tried way too hard on this season. This is the first one bit. that I felt is ridiculously overproduced. And oh my goodness, they're trying way too hard. I mean, there's still feelings abound, but... It, it, it felt a bit more processed. It definitely felt a bit more processed. Because 
uh, the second episode of the season, which is the gentleman in a wheelchair um, who was paralyzed uh, in almost like a gang shootout. Oh. Um, Karamo's version of fixing him spiritually is to get him to confront the guy who shot him. And they sit down in a coffee shop and talk it out. No, I, ma'am. I admit it was no, a little awkward no, and uncomfortable for me to do to watch that. I mean, when I lived in Atlanta, there was a lot of gang shootings when I was in high school, and so and there would be all these different like like uh, scared straight programs and stuff like that, and it felt a little bit akin to that, but it was very much like this is either going to turn out really bad or really like. Oh no! I thought you were gonna shoot me, so I shot you first. Which is ninety percent of the time how it always happens, and that's pretty much what happened. But no, it was definitely one of those moments where you're like, "No, this is not a feeling I associate with this show. Don't, don't bring me this." And no, where are they filming? Is this also in? Uh... Um, it's mostly around uh, Kansas City. Okay, so that's yeah. same as season three, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Except okay. for the first episode was a trip back to uh, Jonathan Van Ness's uh, hometown where he went to high school. Oh, that okay. was cute. Um, and it was a makeover for his high school band teacher. Oh, I love that. That yeah. one. That one was it, really cute. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's in rural Illinois, so I resonated a lot to it. Oh. You were like, like, that was me. <laughs> um, and, but really, Bobby is still doing the most out of all of them. <laughs> yeah. Good oh, Lord. yeah. Especially this season. Yeah. Oh, I my like, God. I like that in season three, and I haven't, I haven't watched season four yet, but I like that they realize that they actually have to start, like, showing him on the show. Yeah. Like, it can't just be, okay, you've got a week, or you've got a week five days, four days, whatever it is to completely redo this house. We'll catch up with you at the end of this whole process. There there was a lot of redoing full houses this season. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. Because the uh, the gentleman who's in the wheelchair, he had the house before he was paralyzed, and nothing in the house oh. is yeah. like, disabled, accessible. They completely gutted, expanded, and redid a bathroom. Like they moved walls. Like they're yeah. Is this why they moved to these rural areas to do this show? Because I'm sure that budget goes a lot further in that part of. Like, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising, but also in the rural area, you can also find ah, it's a farmer who's never had a gay man in my house before, let alone five. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Right. Uh, uh, yuck. That one. Uh, <laughs> that do one. that one more time. Come on. Uh, yuck. <laughs> Listen here, Goofy. Is that going to be your new text tone? I was just about to say, I feel like the so when my phone rings, poor people's going to get replaced. Now when the phone rings for Eric, it'll be, why would we talk to poor people? And then his text message tone will now be, yuck. I love that you did that when I like with a clear, like nobody else talking, so I can just isolate that. Feel free to use that as your text message tone, dear listeners. And then for said farmer, you had Anthony explaining to a farmer what farm to table is <laughs> i mean he didn't, he didn't actually so he's like my life huh he okay, didn't actually got it. understand either but like when they took him into the city and they're like you can totally get people to give you free alcohol to sell at your farm to table restaurant you know for free advertising and he was like oh 
It was one of those things where he was just gotcha. like, oh, okay. He's like, that's just my everyday life. I don't understand what you're talking about. I do like how they were pushing like the whole business aspect of it. It was, it was, oh yeah, yeah. it wasn't For him. That yeah, made total sense. Yeah, I, oh, I, I like that. The, a lot. Uh, I want to call her Miss Jones. The the one uh, from barbecue? Oh, the barbecue yeah. ladies. Oh, those I love oh, them. Those sweet ladies. I actually bought the barbecue sauce. It's oh. really good. Oh, did you? Nice. Yeah, it's really good. There were where is co- it again? There were a couple. It's on Amazon. Very oh. handsome gentleman folk that they made over in this season, though. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Well, I saw a still image of one of them, and yes, daddy. Did Which they shave the one guy's beard off? Which one? There was more like a like a beefy like dirty blondish one, I think. Oh, that's the farmer, and they did. I don't. They, think tri- they, they trimmed, trimmed it down. They trimmed it down. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Nobody Cause, got completely shaved bare. Because somebody was, except for the sixty-year-old man who lost his. Mustache. Oh yeah, actually looked a lot better. With Honestly, well, Kenneth, Kenny, yeah. Kenny. Oh my god, that was. Yeah, somebody on my Facebook feed had uh, took a picture of of that guy, and they were like, "If they take his beard off." I'm gonna be so mad. <laughs> um, and then there was the dad of the ten year old girl who the girl fixes breakfast for him. Oh God, yes, and, I love that little girl um, so she much. Was amazing. And Jonathan Van Ness got Michelle Kwan to come and give her a skating lesson. Um, well, because y- y'all already know that Jonathan Van Ness is like super, super into figure skating. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This felt so. like his season. It totally was. Go back home, get some figure skaters. <laughs> like, like he hung out with the producers for a bit. It was like, hey, so. They were like, season one, we almost get uh, Tan to quit by pulling the pull Karama over bit. Season four, we uh, let Jonathan Ness go back home and uh, make over his band teacher. Seems seems an equal uh, trade-off. Yeah. Um, but it was cute. I Yeah. It was a it was a good season. I don't think it's my favorite season, but there were some good episodes. There's emotion, um, and overproduction. Emotion by Carly Rae Jepsen. Exactly. Nice. All right, so that is Queer Eye season four now available on Netflix. Josh, hit us with your second topic. Uh, so the boys on Amazon Prime uh came out. I think probably a few weeks ago at this point. Uh, about two, two or three. Yeah, two and a half. It was the weekend I went to Charlotte because Umberto House sat and was like, "The boys comes out. I can watch it on Amazon Prime." I'm like, "What? What? Oh, that show. <laughs> Got it." So I ended up binging it uh, in one sitting, and I think I it took me to like three o'clock in the morning to get through it. But it is so good. We can't get you out the house to come to the bar, but you can be up till three o'clock in the morning watching Amazon Prime. I see how it is. I mean, there, one definitely there, sounds better than the other. <laughs> right? There were a few. There were a few times the later it got that I struggled, but um, it was I. It was just so good. I had to like take little breaks and like spray up my face with some water just to power through it. Now, did you read the comics at all before you watched it? No, I didn't even know it was based off of a comic. Good. So <laughs> I re- yeah, the comics are very different, but this a lot of it's very. Um, it, like the TV show improves on some of the makes it a little more palatable, but also makes it a little more timely because the boys came out in books like when I was just getting back into comics, like in the mid 2000s, like oh, early. Wow. And it was uh, so messed up. Every new issue would come out and people were like, dude, you won't believe what happened. To this it, I mean, like I have, a, I have a coworker that found out it was coming out and he was like, oh, I think I'll read the comics before I watch the show. And I was like, don't do it. Don't. don't fucking do it you will it, it's like i tell people not to watch that first episode of black mirror 
you never start Black Mirror on the very first episode. You start like with the second episode and on, and then no, because you go, the quality of the story decreases so much after 15 million credits oh. that is probably the best fucking episode of black mirror oh, I just, the first I, one no the second one 15 oh, million second. credits yeah, yeah. The second yeah. one's great that's second. amazing yeah the pick fucking is the first episode yeah. oh it is, but like once you watch that you're like i need a break for about a month yeah it, the books uh, anyway so yeah. so the try, books, try binging like seasons two three and four fairly close together because i went through that it was interesting so so josh what what would you What's the elevator pitch? What's the high level for the boys? So the thing that really uh, intrigued me was they turned saving people into a business and it just became kind of overrun with corporate greed. You know, it's all about politics and uh, money and publicity, you know, and it takes away from what being a superhero is actually supposed thank to goodness, be. Thank goodness real life isn't like that. <laughs> and it's dark. Thank like, God. So I mean, like, there's an anime like that right now, too. My Hero Academia. Yeah, yeah, that that really touches on it too. Yeah. So it's like the Justice League is kind of like this. It's the seven, right? Yeah, it's the seven, and they're like the Justice League. Basically. Honestly, the the costume designs are very reminiscent with like the Justice League. Like, there's that one woman who kind of reminds you of Wonder Woman. Right. Got is like is Superman. A, Superman is a Aquaman. Homelander. Homelander. I forgot what Wonder Woman's pa- uh, thing uh, is. Queen Queen Maeve. Queen Mom. The Deep is Aquaman. Like yep. The Deep. Ridiculous uh, name. Which apparently that costume shows everything. Yeah, I saw that on um, the Faces book and uh, oh my god. Little, little, little peen line. But <laughs> it makes me feel like Injustice. Yeah. Like yeah. that clip on, yeah. on your heroes that you know and love is so, Oh, villainous. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Watchmen kind of did this a little bit. There have been a lot of properties in comics over the years that have done this. Yeah. Oh, so that's where they got the penis thing from. Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> got it. Go. Full oh, frontal. Got it. Dumb. <laughs> just hanging. And the boys are like kind of the uh, revenge everyman crew trying to get back at the heroes for right. some of the shit they're, that they They're pulled. very anti-hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and they're all, well, they're mostly all horrible people in their own right, but people who have been wronged by superheroes or have made it their business too. And, and that's yeah. what, one of the things I found so compelling about the story and, and the characters. Like, you you have these these individuals, and they're kind of shitty people. But in comparison to the superheroes who are supposed to be the good people, it kind of puts humans kind of in this, or at least this ragtag group, you know, into okay, well, you kind of are the good guys, I think. But it was you're not as bad as them, right? The each of the characters individually, like they blend very well together. But if you separate them, I mean, you've got the the main character. I guess he's the main character. Um, the the goody two shoes. Oh him. Yeah. Oh uh, oh god, yeah. I, I, I he's know. like the everyman. He, you know who he is? He's Dennis Quaid's son. Huey. Oh Huey. So so which you... in the comics, this is what I loved. Uh, the comics, Huey, I believe, looked like Simon Pegg, like the way they drew him. Which is funny because Simon Pegg was yeah his dad. No, no, the right. show, right. they they, they admitted that they based the character off Simon Pegg. Right, oh, but okay. since he's too old to play that now, they brought him in as the dad, which yep. I thought was nice. Yeah, and, and I thought the seeing him in it, I I didn't expect to see, but I liked it. Um, Carl Urban is the butcher. Oh, Billy Butcher! I, know. I love Carl Urban though. He's fantastic. Oh, but Carl I mean, Urban. and you've got oh. that Frenchman, uh, which Frenchy, yeah. which which honestly, him alone, it just. It seems baffling to me that this is a character, and 
he's he's painted uh, you know in in one way but then you get to watch him throughout the show and you're like wow he's kind of like this he's got depth yeah so car um uh garth ennis is the guy who wrote the comics and this is all based on his stuff he's a big fan of writing war comics and showing how war whether it be like legit warfare or mercenary warfare changes people and makes them like explores their character through that lens so you see a little bit of that coming here in some of the stuff like with Frenchie and and the butcher um but you also have this thing where Ennis hates like hates superheroes like has written them but always writes them in this horribly dark way you mean like man of steel or well not quite that (laughs) because that's its own kind of special thing but but like the very dark satire of if we had this in reality, they would be corrupt. They would do horrible things. Or like Brightburn. Bright, yeah, like yeah. Bright, Bright, Brightburn is probably the closest recently stuff. But anyway, so Garth Ennis is definitely coming out very strongly in his material in this in this in this. And, and the the show was actually filmed like it was written and filmed very well because there were a lot of scenes that I'm watching and just the concept of it or or the actual like uh, particular part of the scene made me feel uncomfortable, like and. And I'm just imagining myself being in this universe, and I'm thinking, wow, I would be kind of freaked out if this was the case. And these are who, you know, we had to protect our world. Who plays the, like, main president, Stillwell? Who is Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, that was, uh, I knew she was in it because I had seen the trailer. But, like, man, this is a role that she gets to, like do some crazy shit in she oh man some of the scenes that made me uncomfortable involved her and breast pumping and well yeah (laughs) i mean that part without spoiling too much that part wasn't so bad spoil that (laughs) but there were oh god her her and homelander though homelander Uh, especially he is damaged homelander is the supermander supermander super horrifyingly sociopathic and i love superman i really do and so watching the homelander version of superman is really hard for me to you know take and accept but I mean, it's a different character, but it's it's playing off of the very real possibilities. And the and the guy that played him did like a superb job. It, it, oh God, he he convinced me. Like I'm like this person is literally a soci- sociopath. This is not an actor. This is him. He's almost like American Psycho. Uh, the way uh, what's his name played American Christian Psycho. Bale. Christian Bale played yeah. that character in the uh, American. It's American Psycho. It's very cold and evolves over the course of the story. Just, ugh. Anyway. It's definitely it's a it's a fun, um, entertaining show for sure. Not a lighthearted, no, deep, you know. definitely not. Nice. So that is the boys on Amazon Prime. It is included with your Prime uh, subscription, along with free shipping. Well, <laughs> free two day <laughs> shipping, some one day shipping too, depending on your city. Uh, so yeah, go check that out on Amazon Prime, along with uh, RuPaul's Drag Race seasons one through five, which are now included with your Prime membership as well. I'm waiting for them at six. That'll be my all the seasons I've already watched. <laughs> the only seasons I've watched. <laughs> all right. So my uh, second topic, I am. Uh, we'll just go a little bit into because I don't think everybody at this table has finished watching Jessica Jones on Netflix season three, the final Marvel show. Yes. Yeah, that that was the so. last one, the Netflix Marvel property that. Yeah, because Punisher season two came out, right, and that was yep. the other one, and, yeah. that, and that ended, yeah. Yeah, so the final installment of Netflix's Marvel continuity universe series, it went out with a bang. I was not a huge fan of season two. It was fine, but it didn't have the same oomph, the same 
uh, impact as season one, which I still feel is probably the best of the Marvel Netflix shows. But season three, we get introduced to uh, the Fool Killer. This all takes place after Trish has killed Jessica's mom. She has ended her relationship with, I can't remember his name, but he's the landlord of the building. But the little boy still comes up and says hi to her. So, you know, it's cute. Uh, But we are taken on this journey, not just for Jessica, but we're introduced to this guy, Eric, who is another super with the worst power imaginable. No, I mean... I like that. I like that sort of existential, like, sort of like telling good from evil. Because, like, he like, what kind of measure does he work under? Is it his own personal preference, or is it just some other otherworldly thing he taps into? I feel like it's the second of those, um, and he uses it to uh, extort people. So he's not exactly the greatest person himself. So I'm surprised he does just doesn't live with you know constant headaches by being him. Uh, we get to see Trish evolve and grow into, although they don't call her it. Uh, although there is an episode we that get to see is the called outfit. AKA Hellcat. It's um, so ugly. We do get a mirror image, a bookend image from season one, where she does the costume montage with Jessica, and she holds up the jewel costume. Uh, we get to see the bookend where she's at like the party store, and she holds up for the most part, the Hellcat costume, the mask. She doesn't have a full cowl. It's just a basically like a Party City Catwoman mask in a sense instead of the full cat cowl with the ears and all of that. But it's yeah. a, the yellow costume with the, uh, you know, the sash and everything. Uh, so we get to see her growth and development into what she is and what she becomes and how she handles that Oof. and the path that she takes going through all of that um and that whole fool killer which i don't think they refer to him as fool killer he goes it's gregory salinger which if you uh look him up online there's been multiple fool killers so they went with the gregory salinger i really really liked him like he was sick i but i that was like I I actually I I finished it, but I actually had to look up a couple of like season breakdowns and the explanation for like why he does the thing he like the reason he does the things he does is like it makes sense, but it's just so like it's so twisted. It's so twisted. Yeah, it's it's an intense. It is very intense. It is very impactful. Um. It takes you on a journey. It takes you on a ride. And at some points, you you know that Jessica's going to come through it, but you almost you doubt whether it. or not she will. It's, it's, it's actually... What's funny is this season actually feels more like a direct continuation of season one yes. than season two. And I like that because it's the whole thing with you still have Jessica being like, I hate the word hero. Stop fucking saying that to my face. Like... But the idea that she still does things the right way, even though they're more difficult, because she can let's she can beat the fuck out the dude six ways past Sunday. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to fix it. Yeah, that's not going to like. So just to see her, because in a way she's very much like, um, um, oh my god, she's very mu- much like how 
season one Matthew Murdoch. Like I'm like while I go outside the system, I still use the system. Like you know, she still does. And there was a lot more detective work this season too, which I really like. Oh, yeah, I it went back to that. it went back to that first season feel of she actually is running a detective agency. A sassy ass assistant. Oh, I loved phenomenal. her. Oh my god, she did not give a shit, and it was so great. It was such a great uh, relationship and dynamic between her and Jessica. And it was like, let's get rid of this couch. I like it. It's not coming back. Mm. All right, yeah, got it. And a and a nice tasty little uh, Luke, Luke Cage cameo. Uh, a full beard. Hum. I'm so. Uh, I was hoping for more. I was hoping for more. I. I like that they brought him back for it. Yeah. I like that they referenced uh, the end of his season two and his direction. Which I still have to watch. Which is good. I think it's it's a solid season as yeah. well. Season season. I like season two much better than season one. I didn't mind season one. I, I like season one, especially that they gave such... I was sad with Cottonmouth, but the development they gave Black Mariah and her crazy yes. ass was yes. like perfect. And Alfred Woodard is a phenomenal. Oh, yeah. yeah. But no, season two definitely does take and, and, and step that up a notch as well. Uh, but uh, Jaron Hogarth's uh, role through the season and dealing with her disease and... Oh, that final shade. Oh, right? That final shade she got was so good. <laughs> it, it shows her in all of her devilish... Infamy, I guess is the best oh, way yes, to put it. Oh, yes, that is the perfect word to describe yeah. Jerry Hogarth. But it, it's very much, it's very impactful. It was, it's what I wanted to see out of another season of Jessica Jones. And honestly, I'm going to miss Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones. Like, I kind of want to restart Jessica Jones and just watch it all the way through again. Because yeah. that, that one start to finish was perfect. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, it's definitely, if you have not watched season three, do so. It is fantastic. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed that, I mean, obviously, Marahasha Ali is now going to be Blade in the MCU, uh, but Cottonmouth was killed in season one of Luke Cage. There is a chance, maybe somewhere down the line, that they'll reintroduce at least some of these characters in the iterations that we know them. Yeah. Uh, we have to, obviously, Kristen Ritter has to sit out two years from the time of the cancellation, which was earlier this year. So she definitely won't be making an appearance as Jessica Jones in the MCU, at least for that period of time. And I and I hope she does return when... Oh my god, I would love because it. Because honestly, fucking Disney that just ending, needs though, to buy out those non-compete clauses. Oh, yeah. right. And be like, They've got the money. Here's the money. Just let us have our, our people. If they recast uh, Danny Rand, fine. I'm okay with that. If they don't really do much with the Iron Fist people... Oh, Colleen Wing was pretty cool. So I, I did like I, her. I would love a uh, daughters. Uh, was it daughters of the dragon series? Yeah, that would be that would be perfection. Which right did there. get brought up in uh, uh, Luke? Was it Luke? Yeah, Luke Cage season two because yeah. they had Colleen Wing and um, Misty uh, Knight. Uh, Misty Knight and I uh, didn't. Uh, yeah, Night Nurse was in it too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, I don't know if all three of them were in that bar fight. Is that, but, is that Rosario yeah. Dawson's character? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, which she did not make an appearance in Jessica Jones, which after Luke Cage season two, they kind of uh, pulled her. That was, the, I think, the end of her run as uh, Night Nurse yeah. in those shows. But uh, check it out. It's phenomenal. Uh, it's it's great. And it's kind of funny going back and watching Veronica right, Mars now right. <laughs> and seeing her as Gia and Veronica Mars, both back in the early 2000s uh, in the initial run 
and then in the movie as well. And I'm just like, Sears, don't trust that bitch in apartment 23. Yeah, <laughs> just the be in apartment 23. Come on. Um, but yeah, just watching Jessica Jones getting spied on By horribly. Because I mean, like literally, she was Kristen so Bell's character is right there. <laughs> I'm like, how do you not see that person out your peripheral vision? There's a blonde chick in a leather jacket with so a obvious. telephoto lens on their camera. I see Anywho. you. But Jessica Jones season three on Netflix. Watch it now if you have not done so. Well, we hope you guys are enjoying this episode and all the other content on the Nerdy Show Network. If you are, we are listener-funded entertainment, and we would love if you would help to continue to support us. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash nerdy show and become a patron today. You can become a patron at any dollar amount and even earmark some of that money to come straight to us. If you would like to follow us on social media, just go to flameonshow.com. Find out a little bit about us personally. You can even send us some emails right by clicking on the little email us link in our bios. And you can follow us on the social medias by clicking on the chicklets at the bottom of the website. That's flameonshow.com. Follow us online. Okay. It is time for our final segment. Uh, this episode has run a little long, so we'll just kind of breeze through these one-ups. We'll get some uh, some fun little highlights from uh, this month. Eric, what's your one-up? Sticking with Netflix for all of my topics today, um, the trailer for Ryan Murphy's new miniseries, The Politician, came out, starring Ben Platt um, as the um, main character who is running for uh president of the student body in his high school um it's kind of ryan murphy's take on election almost in that but it's the dark side of ambition and um a lot of ryan murphy uh, alums alums are in it uh like just delaying yeah dylan mcdermott um and oh i hope he's naked <laughs> or at least an ass shot like an american horror story and then you also have Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, Bette Midler and then a bunch of younger actors that I'm not familiar with. Um, I hope Gwyneth Paltrow sings. Said no one ever. Let's no. be honest. <laughs> if, if she did, she wouldn't remember it. Oh. Turning tables. Uh, when no. we're cruising together. But uh, I'm just excited to see Jessica Lang back uh, because she gives such great... Um, Sound clips such as. I don't understand why calling that gay man a butt munch was such a scandal. That's what gays do munch butts and celebrate Halloween. I mean, she's not wrong, but I'm just glad she had the courage to say it. <laughs> Someone had to. I'm just going to start calling everybody <laughs> bunch, butt munch now. There you go. Uh, but the first, uh, I guess, well, it's Netflix, so it's all going to come out together. Uh, but it releases on Friday, September 27th. Very cool. That's The Politician on Netflix. Josh, what's your one up? So I got back into gaming. I actually have been uh, powering through the new, the well, not the new anymore, uh, but PlayStation 4's Spider-Man. And uh, it's so fucking good. So fucking good. Oh, my God. Um, so... Speaking of Jessica Jones, actually, uh, I'm kind of taking a, a lot of the photo side stuff, uh, landmarks, 
and I got to find uh, Alias Investigations and uh, Rand Enterprises or Industries or whatever. Oh, nice. And there was like one more from the Netflix Marvel. Oh, uh, uh, well, Avengers Tower was in there as well. But yeah, I mean, honestly, oh, it's so the Wakanda Embassy is in there too. I haven't found that yet. Yep. But yeah, uh, I'm I'm like, oh god, I can't put it down. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, let me know when you get to the end. Okay. If only you could add those Stranger Things markings to the Polaroid frames for your pictures, Ugh. you'd be in heaven. You'd cream yourself right there. I would cream myself if they just had a Stranger Things game, which Telltale <laughs> was supposed to do, and then they closed the doors. So, Aww. yeah. But that is Spider-Man for the PS4. BJ, what's your one-up? Um, actually, my one-up is uh, I just watched the movie trailer for Doctor Sleep, uh, which is the sequel to The Shining. I didn't realize there was a sequel to The Shining. Um oh. It's very interesting because they're they're modeling the movie Doctor Sleep after uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, which uh, Stephen King is notorious for being meh about. Um, what character does it follow? The uh, boy? It follows Danny. It, well, so it follows. Um, I've, I've I'm only I'm probably about three. The chapters are built weird. Um, it's a chapter and it's in four and ten parts. Uh-huh. Um. So as of right now, I am up to adult Danny Torrance, uh, okay. Dan, and he if he has uh, entered that phase of his life where he is an alcoholic and more or less just bouncing from town to town. Um, it's super interesting because the um, the when him him and his mom move move out on their own um, after the whole thing with the hotel. Um, the spirits ha- are left the hotel and have fa- are finding him. Um, so there's a really interesting thing at the beginning of the book with him figuring out how to seal them away, um, uh, and and uh, him kind of de- delving more into his powers. Um, but the book more or less deals with him trying to put his life back together and dealing with a group called the True Knot, which are a group of people with abilities like his only their purpose is to seek out people like Danny, uh, murder them viciously and as painfully as possible and inhale their power, which comes out as a uh, silver steam. So it's the Highlander a little bit. Cause they're also that like can only be one. a handful of them are like over a hundred years old. Um, and Dan, uh, Danny of course meets a child that, is like him, but only stronger. And it's a very similar thing where he's taking over the role. He's taking over Dick Holloran's role as uh, the teacher for his powers for uh, this young girl. So um, definitely check out the movie trailer, uh, Dr. Sleep. It's it's really, really, really interesting. Cool. Dr. Sleep. Brian, what is your one-up? So I think I've already talked about one of my ideas for a one-up. I think I've talked about Letter Kenny, but just as a quick Go watch Letter Kenny. Get caught up. New season starts in October. Eric's watching it. You love it. I love it. Good job. Uh, but the real one I think I want to talk about just quickly is Gentleman Jack. Have you guys anybody seen Gentleman Jack? It's the story of a actual historical character oh, yeah. who was a lesbian and was very. Um, uh, she was not trans. I don't think she led her life. I mean, she she was known as a woman. She identified as a woman. She you know, but her diaries that she kept. Uh, uh, I think it was Anne Lissette, uh, were very copious and very just detailed about her love affairs of different women. And uh, it's a HBO show, but it's like a joint HBO BBC production. 
maybe Channel 4. But anyway, it's if you like period pieces and you're interested in seeing a real, actually inspired, uh, you know, I don't know how close it hews to the diaries, but uh, actual life of a, a gay and lesbian character in the 1800s, England, like, you know, very few openly gay or lesbian characters in that era, uh, you know, in history. So it, it's quite good. Uh, I think they just wrapped season one. I'm kind of going through that now. And uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, it's called Gentleman Jack. Cool. Gentleman Jack on HBO. All right. Uh, so real quick, well, I saw Carly Rae Jepsen at House of Blues. What? I got to meet her. It was fantastic. She's teensy tiny and so adorable. And we were told not to headbutt her or kiss her on the mouth. So, so small. Those are part of the instructions uh, that <sighs> the, the big handsome man that worked for her crew was like, well, because, you know, when you go into hug somebody and they go one way and you go the same way and you end up crashing heads. And basically it was just like, don't headbutt her. Uh, don't kiss her on the mouth or like, you know, just think about how you would meet another stranger on the street and a handshake. Did you ask him if you could headbutt I, him and kiss him on the mouth? No, there was a different guy that I was totally, the guy that took the pictures. Oh. So hot. Anywho, but uh, she was great. Eric was at the concert with us. So uh, good. Such a good show. Uh, but my one up is Lizzo's tiny ass desk concert. Oh my god, it, it was, was so good. good. <laughs> it is a 17 minute video that NPR put out or NPR Music put out, and she does three songs. She does um, "Truth Hurts," she does "Juice," and she does "Cause Cause I Love You." Cause I love you. She starts with "Cause it's Cause I Love You," "Truth Hurts," and then she ends with "Juice." It is fantastic. You can all not be shit together, right? It is fantastic they, she they said that that was the most attended little desk yeah. concert of any artist that's been there yeah it's phenomenal read the little article that they uh that came out when they posted it on npr's website go watch the concert it's 17 minutes she sounds amazing and now mind you this is not you know in a studio this is literally at desks in the office at npr she has a little band behind her um and it's just fantastic. She is so supportive of the community, supportive of people in general, and just human beings. And and, and she's fantastic. And Erica and I are going to see her on September 10th. Woohoo! And I am so, so excited. Uh, speaking of... Note, this is a NSFW video. Oh. There, there is lots of uh, the swear words in it. Yes. There is much, much cursing uh, and much, much foul language. So... If you've got little children you don't want hearing that, or if you're at work, maybe wait or put your headphones on. Um, and just before we go to the concert, I will actually be in New York for DragCon September 6th to the 8th. Um, I'm going up there. We'll be doing video uh, production. I actually got a little microphone flag, get little stickers. It's going to be so, like, we're going to do a little little video stuff. Uh, hopefully, that'll go up on our IGTV uh, at Flame on Show on Instagram, so follow us there. And uh, we just had Peppermint, Cameron Michaels, and Sugarcane at Parliament for Gay Days, official, proper, registered trademark. And uh, all three of them were like, yeah, oh my god, come by the booth uh, and, let, you know, come talk to us. So even Sugarcane, who's like, my my people did not even let World of Wonder in to talk to me <laughs> at Tricon. <laughs> she was like, come up to the come up to the, the table and tell my my people that, you know, you work at the Parliament House and we talked about this and they'll let you in. So I might even get access to World of Wonder didn't get last time at Tricon. So Exclusive. Uh, right. So if you are attending Tricon, come and find me. Um 
and yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be doing some uh, some fun stuff up there in New York City. That's September sixth through the eighth. And uh, that does it for this episode of Flame On. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us and listening to another pop culture roundup with us here at Flame On. We'll be back in two weeks. And uh, until then, peace. <laughs> well, Lord, I'll have another. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.